to be fair, with the way that Gaius usually tends to shout about Merlin's magic <laughs> with the door open, you know, I'm surprised Merlin takes caution, like, is cautious at all. Okay, at all. Like, Doesn't just walk up and tell people. <laughs> Welcome back to Merlisten Guys, a monthly podcast about BBC's Merlin, where we talk about the show, the ships, the fandom, and the characters. My name is Zen Credible. And I'm Miss Snowfox. And today we have another episode review for you. We are going to review the ninth episode of the second season, which is called Lady of the Lake. And for that, we have a special guest, which is Academy Award winner Amphigori. Hello. Yay, Hello, she's back. Always, <laughs> always glad to have you back. Always great to be here. Um, so and I, f- I feel like this is a special treat given that this episode comes out on Easter Sunday. So if anyone celebrates Easter, happy Easter. Yes. And if you don't celebrate Easter, happy Sunday. <laughs> yeah. We hope everyone of our my listeners is doing well in isolation or quarantine or with social distancing. We know it sucks right now, but please stay inside and wash your hands and don't visit your loved ones because that's what's saving them. Yeah, Easter is going to be one of those weekends that is going to be like rounding up like pets. Just guys, don't be fucking stupid, okay? <laughs> like <laughs> I am 2,000 miles away from my loved ones. I can't see them at Easter. Neither can you. Stay the fuck inside. So exactly. just stop. April distance brings May existence. That's Good. There you go. All right, and with that, we go to news. The Merlin Cannon Fest returns for another round. You can start claiming episodes in June. After Kamlan Big Bang's writer signups are closing in a week. Meanwhile, the mods are wondering whether participants want to join a Camp Nano group If you're signed up for the Big Bang and interested, get in touch with the mods. There's a check-in for the Merlin RPF Prompt Fest coming up on April the 25th. On the 1st of May, posting will begin. Scruffy Pendragon Fest is a new and very impromptu fest inspired by the -the behind-the-scenes photographs that Dale McCready posted recently. These are pictures from the filming of Season 4 that feature an alternative look for Arthur at the start of Season 4. The fest will run until the end of May. For more information and a link to these pictures, check out their Tumblr. And that has been it for news. So now we do a talkback. So we have a comment from Archaeologist D on our episode on fan art, the first part of that episode. I promise the second part is coming at some point. And uh, Diane had to say, It's not just fan art that gets stolen. When I posted pictures of Merlin filming, people would take off my watermarks and post it as their own. It was fucking annoying. Diane actually censored the word fucking. I'm just filling in the blanks here. It's so much worse for the artists. As for Tumblr and reblogging, I always thought that liking it was fine and that the artist would be happy about that. I had no idea that reblogging meant so much. I'll have to rethink my reblogging behavior. I wanted my Tumblr to be my photos alone, so that's why I wasn't reblogging. So, Emph, please weigh in on this. The the likes and the reblogs. Well, yeah, that's like my my weakest 
knowledge because <laughs> I, I, I don't give a fuck. Uh, I'm just okay. like, you know what? People like it, they like it, whatever. But it's true that um, for things to, you know, I don't want to say to spread for things to spread. <laughs> Visit your loved ones. <laughs> Read the room. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Um, reblogging obviously puts it on your timeline so all your friends can see it, but liking doesn't. Yeah. Exactly. Do that. So yeah. you want to be able to spread art. Yeah. <laughs> art. There is no other. Listen. Two months ago, we wouldn't like we we were actually what our listeners probably don't know. We already recorded a a talkback for this very common and i feel like when we did that like three months ago we weren't worried about <laughs> this <laughs> the words we were using god <laughs> look how the world has changed in just three oh months god. bread is the new moist honestly uh, <laughs> that's not even my least favorite word but i do know that people don't like it so i'm just like yeah <laughs> yeesh. But with um with the liking thing though, I find it really interesting that Tumblr is like the one of the only platforms I can think of where liking doesn't show up for people. Like uh, Facebook lets people see your activity, like even if you haven't reposted. Obviously, Twitter does. Um, oh, sorry, Instagram doesn't either okay no my bad okay so instagram doesn't but i think it would be quite nice but um with the with the twitter i definitely know that you can do that unless you like actually switch it off which is why i made a separate twitter for something that i didn't want people seeing on my regular twitter because i was like i'm gonna be liking a bunch of stuff and oh shit it's gonna pop up on my timeline so yeah make a separate account diane and then you can you can just have all the things there if you want to reblog and support artists and, um, you know, get the word out there about them. Because, yeah, reblogging definitely, you know, will will get the, the piece of art to more people. Liking, yeah, does does absolutely nothing in terms of actually to get it out to more people, to get it out to more people. Yeah, yeah. As for the first part of that, um, yeah, art theft is a thing, even with just photography from behind the scenes. Yeah. Which is why now... Like even at stage door stuff and behind the scenes stuff, you see a lot more better watermarking these days. Mm-hmm. Um, putting like light overlays all over everything, uh, anything that people would want to try and take. Because yeah, yeah. I, I, if I recall, there was a lot of Merlin um, behind the scenes stuff that the watermarks were there, but they were in places that would be kind of easily cropped. Mm. So I was like. Mm. Yeah, watch out. Even when you sign your own art, like as an artist, if you put a little signature on there, put it somewhere where it's not going to be easy to remove in a high visual traffic area. <laughs> like yeah. you put it way down the bottom right of the screen, it's going to be easy just to go crop. Now it's this yeah. side. Yeah. I always try yeah. to hide it into like clothing folds or furniture or something. Something really yeah. tricksy. Yeah. Yeah. Or you can you can do what other artists do and just like put your watermark like giant across the whole art. And if you want to see the art without the watermark, you have to buy the print. Uh, Diane goes on to say, As for collabs, I was so thrilled that Texas Fandoodler agreed to do the art for my Big Bang and it's still my favorite story because of her art. It's so sad that she died so young and it makes me both sad and happy to look at her work. 
So for all the listeners who don't know about this great tragedy, we once had an artist called Texas Van Doodler. You can see her art on a lot of Merlin pieces uh, on uh, throughout fandom, especially like Big Bang art, but also she also did like her own art just accompanied by no story. And it was, I think, 2015. Yeah, around this time, like, I think probably February or March in 2015, if I'm not completely mistaken, that um, Tex died in a house fire. So this obviously shook the whole fandom to the core, and it was a great loss that we had to suffer and that's the person that Diane is referring to in this comment. I didn't really know text personally. I just I joined fandom just shortly before um, she died, so I never had the chance to get to know her. Yeah, it's very sad. I think we spoke about it the last time when we did the recording, and I I think I'd heard like one of maybe you Alex told me or someone else I can't remember but like like at the beginning stages of Merlison someone told me about this and I was like oh but I kind of either didn't remember or like I wasn't like I don't know like that I didn't really remember the story properly and then I didn't realize it was this person and yeah it's uh, it's just it's it's really strange to think about someone from fandom and like that something like that happened to them because I feel like fandom is even though we're all aware that we have like our own lives, I feel as though fandom is such a weird like existence where it, sometimes you forget that people are real, if that makes sense, and that people have stuff going on, and that when they're gone, like technically they're never really gone because obviously they're still so present online, and so it's it's strange to think of someone who's, um, you know contributions are still completely readily available but knowing that that person just doesn't exist in the world anymore it's a really kind of interesting like dichotomy it's like yeah it's very weird and like I didn't know her um either I'd I'd never even heard of her until um until I heard this story but then I like looked at her art and it's really good actually I really love it so yeah such a sad story Dang, I guess I'm the only one here who actually knew Tex. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wasn't prepared to talk about that right now, but um, t- t- I actually knew Tex from uh, her fanfic. That's actually how I started out, because um, one of my first pieces of art for, for the Merlin fandom was art for one of her fics. Aww. Which was back on, like, FFnet, like, fanfic.net there. Oh, wow. And as I was, you know, putting my roots down into live journal i was saying hey you should come check out this live journal thing so she came over and discovered all the communities and started doing art and yeah it was good times and, and yeah boy she was amazing for like if you ever needed a pinch hitter i mean for for a single big bang season she put out like she did like four or five stories was... and she always did more than one piece and she always did more than one piece she's always yeah yeah I think on average she did like between two and three, I would say. Mm-hmm. Like from from the, just from the from the stories that I read that had her art in it, I was like, that's at least two or three pictures per story. So, but yeah, yeah. she used to hang out in the chat rooms. That's how we got you know we got yeah. into fandom. And, and yeah. yeah, it was good. All right. Well, fandom 
if you want to remember someone, pull one out of the text. And I think there is some some fests uh, happening occasionally to remember her. So, you know, go check out her art and remember her. I'm sure she would have liked that. Meanwhile, we are going to move on with the rest of Diane's comment because she also said, Big Bang is a problem for how little time they give artists. I did enjoy Reverse Big Bang because the art was done first and then the writers got to write about it. Which, yeah, I mean, that's the whole point of <laughs> of Reverse Big Bang, to to give the artists more time. But then, of course, then you have the problem, like I can imagine as an artist, you have the problem that you might end up with a writer who doesn't write the story you were envisioning when you did the art yes yes <laughs> <laughs> i mean apart from like the writer just flat Dro out dropping yeah. out i've had so many right? writers flake on actually just one piece of art i had one one reverse piece that i think yeah. went through like i don't know like eight different writers yeah it was so an insane amount yeah, so that's one thing. But then also, like, even if the writer finishes, um, I mean, I guess the, the the same is true if you go the other way around and true, you have a writer true. and the artist doesn't do the art that the writer would have liked. It's not what I had so, in mind, yeah. Yeah. I appreciate all the fic that I get for my art. I yeah. don't want to put that out there. Because after saying, oh, yeah, I've had that happen, I don't want all the wonderful artists or wonderful writers who've written for me to be like oh, she's talking about me <laughs> no i'm just talking about the ones who dropped out if you're thinking about it's you it's not um finally uh diane closes with i've never asked an artist if i could write a fig about their art i'm always too shy and worried that i'm stepping on their creative toes i'll have to rethink that too to which I can only say, yes, Diane, you have to. <laughs> yeah, if <laughs> because... I recall in that fan art episode, we all kind of said, you know, we all kind of had like a, okay, everybody vote if you like that. And we were all like, yeah, yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do it. Exactly. Exactly. There's very few artists that I know that would be like, no, how dare you write fic for my art? Yeah. I don't think I know anybody who do that, so. And in fact, that's kind of like my whole existence of art arting is just like, please, somebody write a story for this because I don't have time to write it myself. <laughs> I have story ideas and I can just draw a picture for it and hope I can, you know, snag a, a writer to yeah. write it down for me. Write this for me. I you, prompt. You just, I just do plot bunnies. That's me. Prompt. You're, prompt. Just, you're just planting honey traps exactly. hoping to catch an artist. <laughs> Yo, dog, I heard you, like, bump. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> that would work. <laughs> so, if you want to get us talking about your comment, you can do this the following way. Comment on our website, which is melissa.paracaproductions.com. You can also just type Melissa into Google. It should come right up. And if you comment there, we will most likely discuss your comment in the podcast. If you don't want us to do that or want to comment somewhere else, then you can do that as well. You can go to Tumblr, which is also at Merlisten. You can go to Twitter, which is, you might have guessed it, at Merlisten. Our email is merlisten.podcast at gmail.com. We are on iTunes as Merlisten. We are as well on Discord. You can get the invite link from pretty much all our social media, or you can just get in touch with Rox or myself. 
we have in my list in bingo, which you can play along with. You can find all the information for that on our Tumblr, or you can get in touch with us. And finally, we have a Ko-fi account. So if you want to tip us a little bit of money for all the work and time we put into this podcast that we bring to you, then you can do that as well. Again, the link should be on all our social media or you can ask us for it. That has been it for the contact stuff. And now finally we get into the episode review. As I said, we are reviewing Lady of the Lake, the ninth episode of the second season. And yeah, so we'll start with the episode summary from the Merlin Wiki, which is as follows. When Merlin and Gaius discover a beautiful druid girl, Freya, trapped in a bounty hunter's cage, Merlin knows he must help her escape. Gaius warns Merlin against getting involved, but Merlin refuses to listen, harboring Freya in the tunnels beneath Camelot. Yet, with the bounty hunter searching for his missing prize and a ferocious magical beast on the loose, Freya cannot stay hidden long. Merlin's intense new friendship and his love for her is tested to the limit, and Merlin is forced to make some heartbreaking decisions as he battles to keep Freya safe. To be fair, I'm very impressed that they managed to not spoil the episode yeah. in that. Amazing. That's actually, that's probably the best one we've ever had. <laughs> it's pretty accurate. I'm actually, yeah. yeah, it's completely accurate and it doesn't spoil the episode. Yeah. There is one Which inaccuracy is... though. Oh, not, yeah. not in the summary, but on the Merlin wiki. Oh yeah. It says, this episode marks Merlin's first and only love interest in the series. Anyway, here are some statistics. This episode aired on the 21st of November in 2009. There are two female characters with lines. They are Gwen, who has about a dozen words to say, and, of course, Freya. And then we have five male characters. There are Arthur, Merlin, Guys, and Uther, as well as Halig, the bounty hunter. The monster of the week is the bastard, and Arthur, well... He sort of kills it, but I, I have I have things to say about that later. Um he definitely he definitely does something to it. So um yeah. Speaking of the bastard, I did some Wikipedia research very last minute this morning when I remember that I was meant to do that. Uh Bastard is actually an Egyptian goddess. She was originally depicted as a lioness. And in the early years of when she was worshipped, Bastard was the one who was worshipped as the fierce lioness warrior and the protector of the sun god Ra and the king. She was also the goddess of pregnancy and childbirth. Which, you know, you can have a career as a monster fighting bodyguard of the highest god and have a family. That's a great message to, you know, unify in in a goddess, right? And then she also protected against evil spirits and, get this, Contagious diseases. We could definitely use some bastard these days. Save us, bastard. Save us. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like bastard coming out of her well to shame mankind for disrespecting her 3,000 years later. Because back in the day, Sekhmet, another lioness goddess, and bastard were merged and became two sides of the same coin, basically, because Sekhmet then stayed a lioness in all the depictions and represented the warrior aspect, whereas Bastard was depicted more and more like a domestic house cat to represent the gentler aspects and focus more on protecting her own family. 
So basically, they took her career and turned her into a housewife. But at least she's a lesbian now, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot. (laughs) And I mean, you have to be fair and admit that at least the Egyptians really love their cats. Like they actually worship cats a lot for, you know, being the ones who hunt vermin in the house and also guard the realm of the dead and all of that. But yeah, that's a brief history about Bastet, the goddess. As um, Gaius tells Merlin, uh, a Bastet is a monster that inhabits the world between the living and the dead. The dead, yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, I see. That, yeah. that That's kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah. You got that title I'm, for that show. <laughs> I'm a little, I'm a little um, confused like with this background. I mean, they clearly chose the, the name Bastet for the creature for a reason. But like you had to, you could choose between either a cute house cat, which obviously you didn't want, or a lioness. So why did you go with a winged black panther? I mean, a black panther is cool and giving it wings is also kind of cool. But also this is just like not at all what Bastard was about. (laughs) Oh God. Oh my God. I mean, I just found it hilarious because, the, you know, it sounds like he's saying bastard. And that just yeah. always made me laugh when I first when I first watched the episode. But, um, <laughs> yeah, brilliant. I don't know. They made, let me tell you, a black CG animal on a black, dark, you know, room. Like, it's a night scene. Yeah. It just makes for easy CG. Like, right. yeah. you don't have to make it yeah, look beautiful around the edges. You don't have to work on the fur That's detail. True. It, That's it, true. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna ask you about the CGI on the on the Black Panther once we get to the actual transformation scenes. So. She didn't work on that movie. I was just gonna say. I know you didn't. Hey. Oh, hey. Hey. You, you are terrible. I'm terminating this. <laughs> she didn't work on that movie either. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Overall impression of this episode. Okay, Rock. here we go. You have a lot of opinions. <laughs> oh my god, I, I, I have so many thoughts on this episode. Right, okay. So, when I first saw this episode, I was really excited about it. They showed the kiss in the season two promotional material when the season was first kind of ready to begin airing. And obviously, as someone that was a huge fan of like Colin, and he was like my crush, and like Merlin, who was my crush, I was like, oh my god, I'm so excited for him to get like a love storyline. And then um, obviously, like, you know, I was really excited for the episode. And I, at the time, I was like, oh my god, it's my favorite episode ever. I love it so much. And then I kind of like started to like it less and less as I kind of got more into the fandom. And then I kind of started to appreciate it more, like, as time went on. So I had like a bit of a seesaw with it. But what I find interesting about it is when I went to look back as to why this episode like excited me so much like the idea of it and I think what it was is like when you look at Merlin as a character who is you know the protagonist for sure but he's feminine he's like physically weaker than Arthur he's not like the alpha male of the show even though he's the main character and normally traditionally in the hero's journey kind of story the protagonist is the alpha male the Merlin character as the trope, you know, we were talking about tropes earlier, his trope is much more suited to the sidekick. And when you look at a show that kind of, you know, took the same format as Merlin on the BBC, like Atlantis and Robin Hood, the Merlin character has always been the sidekick. The main guy has always been the Arthur. And so he 
doesn't get love like you know Arthur gets a whole thing like you know with a love story and he's not the main guy and I think what was so fascinating about a character like Merlin who growing up I've always seen as the psychic character in any film or tv show I've ever watched for him to suddenly get the limelight and be the romantic lead it all it just all of a sudden shifts your perspective like it makes it made me look at him differently because he is different like the second you put someone in a romantic environment purposeful romantic environment not you know like the whole murder thing which whatever um you they have a different dynamic about them they do change and you do see that change in him he all of a sudden becomes you know and i'm not i'm not trying to say that like people like that men in heterosexual relationships like have to be this way i'm just saying like the way that he is represented in this episode he all of a sudden turns into the protector and he's the person who's physically larger and who is kind of more aware of what's going on and is looking after Freya and it's such a different look to what we normally see on him and we don't really see him like that much because even when he's protecting Arthur he's very much the background guy and he's doing it with you know his magical skill but not necessarily because he can physically protect him or because he feels romantically about him in the canon so it's just a really interesting dynamic that he's got going on in this episode. I mean, what did you guys think about the like his kind of romantic side coming out for pretty much the first and only time ever, like as a character? Um, well, it definitely came on quick, but I know that's how the nature of television is. Like they need to make yeah. him fall quick. And yeah, so like I watched this episode like ages ago, like when it first came out. And I hadn't seen it since. So last night was, it was like watching it all over again with fresh eyes. Yeah. And the first few minutes, I'm like, holy cow, is he enchanted? Like he falls hard and fast. And all of a sudden yeah. he's like, I'm going to break the law. I'm like, oh, yeah, dude, slow down. But of course he can't slow down. It's TV. We need to get this guy loving quick. And, yeah. But it's fine. I mean, yeah, I love what you said about being a protector. Uh, and you do see it come back out in... Um, season five for sure because <laughs> there's that bit yeah where, when she's injured that um mm-hmm. you know merlin says you know i'll help you no i'm not leaving you let's go like yeah he yeah says, like, he actually like you know kind of like i'm not leaving you like wait that sounds familiar that's a uh, that's 513 isn't it dang yeah <laughs> he's like i'm gonna get you to the lake let's go I'm like wait a second this all seems like in hindsight after watching, you know, like now that you know what happens in season, series five, you're like, oh, I'm seeing some of that yeah. character coming through here. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I, I like what you said about it being quick because that's something I wanted to touch upon because when I kind of like the reason why I started to fall out of love with this episode after I'd seen it a few times was because of that, because I'd heard like a bunch of other fans talking about it and oh my God, this is sort of character and oh my God, like he would never just leave his life. Like that's it ridiculous. Felt super out so, of character, yeah. Well, it's interesting because that's now rewatching it, well, no, it's not even about that because I, I mean, I personally would argue that, you know, this is obviously being set up as a romantic storyline, but in no way, shape or form would I call this love. You know, obviously he doesn't know her. But the thing is, is that this actually this episode comes in a really good place in the season guys write that down you're never gonna hear me say it again (laughs) because 
because even though there's no actual plot continuity going on here whatsoever, like, you know, maybe you could stretch with the whole Uther paying attention to magic thing, but that's really, you know, whatever. But thematically, this is brilliant because we have Merlin now at a point where a couple of really bad things have happened to him this season. And obviously the episode prior, a really bad thing happened to him where he basically got the world like, you know, ripped out from under his feet and r- reminded of his place that, oh, no, you're, you, your life is never going to change. And what we have going on here is a really fantastic like blend of not only has he met a person who, like what he says in the episode, she's like me but also it's being um contrasted with the mundane realities of his life and not just the mundane realities of his life but arthur is obviously being particularly cruel to him in this episode or at or at the very least he's he's reminding merlin of you know how life is never really going to get much better than this and then he's reminded when he's with freya how much better his life could be oh my god we could be ourselves i can do magic in front of you i can talk about magic in front of you and what i'm seeing here you know kind of now having you know being a little bit older than what i was when i first watched it at the tender age of 17 or 18 i'm like oh my god like what he's doing here is he's not necessarily like yeah he thinks he's falling in love and perhaps there is like a romantic attraction there for sure but what he's really doing is he's screaming out for that familiarity all he wants is to be known like that is all that he's desperate for and like you see it like in every scene they're together he's like like he, like he's basically writing this like he's writing his own narrative he's not really letting her speak he's basically like oh but we're exactly the same oh and like yeah i completely relate to what you're saying and my experience has been just like your experience it's because he's so lonely mm. and that to me I can completely buy into him being like, yeah, I'll up and leave because he's just being bombarded with the sensation of, oh my God, oh my God, I'm finally being understood. And I mean, by this point, he's really starving for that. So even like, you know, I'm glad that it never happened, obviously, but it felt like now I'm like, yeah, I could totally see him doing this. Yeah, excellent point, especially with the, um, when buttressing it with the, the sins of the father. Like when you think about that, yeah, I could totally believe him being like, you know what? Let's get the fuck out of here. He's had enough, you know? Wanna... He's he's had... Yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I want to say something. Go, 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 go. <laughs> um, I was... Uh, I meant to talk about this uh, later in the in the episode review when we actually come to this scene when I really, for the first time, had this thought. But, like, for me, when I rewatched this episode um, this morning... Um, I was really looking at their at their relationship the entire time because I was like, oh, I really want to, you know, I want to ship this because I want to, you know, I th- I feel like this could be a good ship, and I I still think this could be a good ship, but the thing is, Freya for Freya, it's some kind of hero hero worship of Merlin, right? He he rescued her. He's been kind to her, like. She has only seen cruelty from the world for so long that any small act of kindness, you know, I mean, she could have gone the other way where she just doesn't trust it at all. But she is still like, I want to say, uh, I don't mean this in a in a bad way, but she's still like naive enough and, and hopeful enough that she actually believes Merlin, which in this case is a good thing because Merlin is genuine about, you know, his want to help her, but it could have gone very wrong and it has gone wrong for her before. So, you know, I'm a little surprised that she's trusting him. But, you know, this also translates into, you know, 
her kind of hero worshipping Merlin. So I can totally see where her feelings are coming from. And then Merlin sort of has the reverse of that, which ties in with, uh, into what you said, Rox. It's like he feels responsible for the person he rescued. He rescued someone. And it didn't have anything to do with Arthur or with Camelot or any of his regular responsibilities. It only had to do with rescuing a person who was in need and uh, who also happens to be, you know, a pretty young woman. So he he rescued her and now he feels responsible for her. And because he thinks they're the same person, like he doesn't know that what her curse actually is or in what way she is magic. So he thinks they're the same. He thinks he's falling in love because he has found someone who understands him. And it's, I feel like it's sort of to be expected because the only other people with who he could be himself are Gaius, who is basically his father, is Hunith, who is his actual mother, and was Will, his ex-boyfriend, who is dead now. And that is it. That is the whole list of people who have known about Merlin's secret and who have accepted him for who he is and with who he could be himself. And so... And now... Yeah, okay, and, sorry, yeah, and Lance, that's it. Oops, he's not there. <laughs> Same with his mom. Like, they're not there. They're gone. So. I, yeah, I there. forgot about Lancelot. Oops. How dare you? Uh, so did the show, don't worry. <laughs> I genuinely forgot about... I did not leave him out out of spite. I genuinely forgot, which is probably worse. <laughs> Um, anyway, Merlin's frame of reference for how to feel about people who know his secret is like, I mean, it still works for what I was going to say for Lancelot, because his only mm. reference for people who know his secret is parental figure, figure or love interest. So, yeah, and, that's it. And he couldn't save Will in the end, and Lancelot had to leave. So, of course, now he doubles down on wanting to save Freya and wanting to be with Freya, and he just, you know, he just goes, it's sort of like a... um he just sort of basically argued himself into a corner there. He's like, no, I have to be all in on Freya now. Yeah, exactly. And I think what's really interesting about Merlin as a character, and, you know, I think that for him, because his whole life is basically shrouded in secrecy, like that's all that he really understands um, is to hide. And that's very sad when you think about it, because it really is from day one, you know, he's never been normal. He's always had to hide. And so um, I think the way that he probably understands love, um, which I don't necessarily think only comes from people that have had to hide, but the way that I think he processes love is the feeling of being known. You know, like the feeling of really being known. That's kind of what he understands to be you know, love because that's what he gets from his mother. You know, that's what he gets from Gaius. And so I think that, you know, w w when we see him connect with other characters, it's usually on that level of, oh, there's something we have that's the same because he doesn't have anyone in his life really that n not only knows him properly, because obviously without knowing that he's a sorcerer, they don't really know him at all, but also just, you know, being able to share something with him that is the same. And so, for example, when he has those moments of connection with Arthur, like those real moments of connection, they are about the things that they share. Oh, we both have a missing parent and then we can have a moment about that. And so, yeah, when he sees Freya and, you know, he sees that she's a druid girl and that, you know, they actually have a moment to connect. He's, you know, he's so emotionally starved and so, you know, starved in terms of being able to talk about his magic that, yeah, by this point, I just think it, you know, there was no way he stood a chance to not, you know, fall for this girl. And I can completely 
believe that you know now obviously that still kind of makes me go a bit oh sweetie like you you do have a life here and you actually don't know her like as a viewer watching it you're like Merlin she you're not actually listening to her she's trying to tell you that she's not actually because I don't think she even has magic like she's just a druid who got cursed yeah and so she's just like but he's so deaf and blind like he's not listening at all and it's so painful to look at it it's like Merlin she's not like you (laughs) yeah and then yeah I mean the other thing that really kind of gets to me about this relationship is that it's I feel like it's very imbalanced because Freya is entirely dependent on Merlin and the only choice she makes for herself in this entire episode which is to leave so Merlin won't be harmed ends in her death so that's just I feel like it's just um their entire relationship is like based on her needing him which is very codependent and not very healthy at all and it's just yeah Merlin you're Well I would assume that if they actually went through with their plan and escaped that wouldn't happen it's just because she's literally yes, a but, prisoner but the, <laughs> is, like... but the thing is Merlin is is basing everything on that on these like yeah, two and a half days that they've known it's two and a half days that yeah. they've known each other and it's just that's just like that's what he's expecting like I feel like mm-hmm. this is all that he's known so he's sort of expecting it to be like that like he has this urge to take care of her now well what happens if she doesn't need him to take care of her anymore mm. what happens if they're in a place where she can be well adjusted you know, and and like maybe they man- even manage to break the curse once Marlon finds out about it. And what then? Then she doesn't need him to take care of her anymore. How is that going to change their relationship? But Marlon is willing to like give up his whole life for something that he doesn't even know is going to last. Like for for something that he that isn't even real, right? Yeah, because exactly. It's all under very very stressful circumstances is how it is. This came about. Yeah, and that's what I was kind of talking about earlier when I said how you, like, as soon as you put someone in a romantically coded situation, you can, like, see the change in them. Because Merlin, even though he still feels like Merlin to me, he he does change. Like, you know, you see him kind of more demure and more sweet and, like, goofy. And, like, you know, when we see him in his day-to-day, kind of, you know, who we know that Merlin's a little shit. Like, he's, like, like he's a little shit who's sarcastic and who, you know, tries to get away with murder. And, yes, he's extremely kind. But, you know, when you see him in this situation, you do see how, like whether he's doing it on purpose or not like you know i'm sure that we all put our best foot forward when we're with someone that we're attracted to but he's basically like you know the best version the sweetest version of himself that he could be i mean he's adorable in this episode and so yeah i wonder if you know this would kind of eventually fade away or if he would basically being with freya kind of turn into this kind of you know lovely demure boy you know and kind of not the character that we have seen him up like you know up until this point and Arthur kind of does the same with Gwen you know he definitely turns into the more kind of you know sweet version of himself and kind of like softly spoken and I guess that's just the show telling us that when you're with your female love interest you will lose all personality but you know that's kind of like I don't really know save that I don't know oh yeah uh, yeah absolutely (laughs) no he's enchanted that's not fair you know that's not fair (laughs) um but yeah I just find I find this fascinating 
just from the perspective of seeing the change in him, seeing him interact in this way. And yeah, I don't really see this as anything deep or meaningful in the sense of like a long lasting relationship, but I definitely think it's hugely important for him as a character to not only go through hell yet again, because Merlin is not allowed to be happy ever, but also just to kind of see that like just to see how easy it is to bait him into what he would consider to be a better life and at this point how much he still desperately just wants people to know about his magic i mean you know he is definitely going down a path like we've said in sins of the father where he's beginning to resign himself to this is just going to be my life and he becomes the depressed merlin that we later you know know in later seasons but you know, you have little moments like this where you see the glimmer of hope in him still and you're just like, oh man, like it's just, it's just not gonna, it's not gonna go that way for you. And um, yeah, I mean, I've also got things to, to talk about in terms of how that relates to his relationship with Arthur and like the idea of being known and stuff, but there are bits that I'll get to in that. But yeah, it's, it's sad, man. Like this is, you know, this is not a happy episode by any stretch of the imagination. I cried a lot when I first watched it, but I was also a lot younger then. So like, you know, but yeah it takes yeah. place two and a half days hey that must be like one of the longest episodes i'm sorry actually it's three days like it's four nights and three and like three days because it's the the first night is when merlin rescues her nothing that that's that's a thing yeah. she doesn't turn she doesn't turn into the basset in the first night it's not full moon yet it never is it only full moon it I just i thought it was like after does, dark which is what no, i was going to mention it says midnight Oh, some reason okay. in the book I kept focusing on the picture of the moon and then of course now I think about it, it was just a crescent moon wasn't it yeah <laughs> I, remember, oh, I mean look at the face and they drew in the moon what a cool f- yeah. that's yeah. <laughs> stupid guys so, books. so it's, it's it's the first night when he rescues her and she doesn't turn for some reason or she was just really good at controlling herself even though she's not supposed to be able to do that maybe it's after it's... midnight it could have been like 3am at this point I don't know that's that's true. Maybe it was after midnight already. We don't know. And, it's a plot hole. <laughs> and then it's the it's the the day, and then it's the first night when she kills um that uh, peasant couple. Then it's another day and another night when she kills the guards. And then it's the day when Merlin is like, okay, we're gonna run away to n- today, and that's when she like at night runs away by herself and then gets uh, harmed by Arthur. And then wee hours of the morning is the end of it, so. Yeah, so it's uh, three and a half days, basically. Dang. Okay. That's going to be a long episode. Okay, let's let's get into the scene by scene, finally. Um, my my first scene title is the one with a radiance cage. I just said the cage. Yeah, just the one with the cage. <laughs> um, uh, it was weird, because I think I said the one where Gaius is a dick. Cool, harsh words. Well, Alex will he, love that. I yeah, like, oh, she'll fetch money. Yeah, I mean, for me, that's for me, fucker. For me, that's the second scene. The first one is uh, where where the bounty hunter actually arrives. Ah, uh, good point. Good point. Carry on. And uh, oh, I just mixed them all up, but yeah, I, f- I feel like it's a bit of a dramatic opening, right? With the rain and the thunder, and the first thing you see is the cage rolling into Camelot. It's a little mm-hmm. bit like the already episode, just different. And um, then he just uh, he growls at the girl. Uh, who... Yeah, like that growl, really. Like, what the hell is that? <laughs> He's the actual werewolf. <laughs> oh my god. Plot twist, you guys. <laughs> yeah, and then for me, the next one is the one where Gaius does some actual doctoring. 
And um, yeah, I have I have some beef with Gaius in this episode, uh, in this scene because he's like uh, he says to Merlin, "Bounty hunters are not to be meddled with. You of all people should understand that." And like he fails to see that what Merlin understands is that a young woman who's wearing rags that are falling off of her is trapped in a cage in the rain and is going to be sold to Uther to be killed. That's what Merlin sees. <laughs> Yeah. and understands and guys is as per usual just like i'm telling Merlin not to do something and i expect him not to do it even though i didn't explain to him why he shouldn't do it <sighs> what could go wrong what could what go, could go wrong, wrong? <laughs> well my my thing that i noticed when i watched this episode earlier was that was that thing from merlin when Gaius says like oh she's fallen prey to a bounty hunter and he goes but she's just a girl which first of all makes like has nothing to do with what Gaius said prior because just because she's a girl doesn't mean she can't fall prey to a bounty hunter but the way that he said it to me made it sound like he was like I don't know why but it made me think like he was implying she was really young which then to me is like how young is she? Because that is already going into like very icky territory for me. Like, and he says this again later. He's like, oh, she's just a girl. Like the way he, like the way he says girl, I don't know. just makes me feel like he is implying that she's a young girl. Like, oh, why would this young girl be sold? Like when, you know, like sort of in the same way that they I mean, spoke about Mordred, like, oh, Mordred is just a boy. Okay, But Merlin is still like in the intro, Merlin is still introduced as as a boy as well. As a boy, yeah. I mean, yeah, Marlon yeah. might not see himself that way because that's just... <laughs> Clearly he doesn't because he's like, oh, I'm so much older. Because that's just the way of things. But like, Marlon is also introduced as a boy. So it sort of makes sense for him to go, well, she's just a, she's just a girl and I'm just a boy. You know, I'm just a boy standing in front <laughs> of a girl. <laughs> there is a, here's an Avril Lavigne song coming if I ever heard one. <laughs> it's actually no doubt, just saying. Or, oh no, I no, meant she was Skater Boy. She was Skater Boy. Skater Boy. Skater Boy, yeah. But um, yeah, I found this opening really interesting as well. And particularly, like you said, Merlin seeing Freya in the cage and feeling some kind of connection. And yeah, I wonder if, like, I would love to know at, like, at what point he's kind of like, oh, you know, I think that she's cute. I hope he's not thinking, oh, she's really cute, you know, looking at like she's at death's door, you know, in the cage and whatever, because he does like stare at her quite, you know, like kind of longingly, but I wonder if it's just that kind of like, oh, I must help this person kind of thing. It's not like I tap that in his head. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think what is, is just that he looks at her and it's so easy for him to imagine that that's him in the cage. Exactly. Because it nearly was him just two episodes ago. So, you know, I think that's what probably plays into that. Let's mm-hmm, hope it mm-hmm. is. Um, which, yeah, leads us into, I mean, I I named the next one the, the one where Merlin is sneaky, which we have some easily editable out uh, Merlin sneaking out of Gaius's chambers because that always could be cut out, but it's in there apparently. And then he, uh, yeah, basically is actually, you know, trying to be smart and he's looking into the inn to see if, you know, Halick is in there and he is. Okay, but... And then, but- yeah. Merlin hasn't seen the bounty hunter before. How does he know that's Halig? Because clearly he's ugly and fat and the only ugly and fat people can be bounty hunters, that, apparently. That was my reasoning as well. I feel like he probably just knows who normally goes to the pub, which then opens another can of worms. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but 
but what the what the episode is clearly telling us is that he must be the bad guy because he's a glutton. And I'm just like, <sighs> strike one for fat shaming. I mean, he's only eating chicken or something, isn't he? Yeah, but the way he's eating it. Oh, okay. He's eating it messily. So clearly, clearly he's a terrible person. Clearly. But then Merlin does magic in the middle of the street and no one notices. So (laughs) there's no one there, is there? Like, it's literally empty. They're all social distancing. (laughs) They're not not allowed out. (laughs) They're all in the pub where they're not supposed to be either. That's That's a real reason for the cage. He was just making sure she wasn't touching anyone. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god um but yeah so merlin does magic and um and pulls freya out of there again but uh but uh you're right alex it is it is interesting that she she's not more skittish like i do love that the actress oh god i can't remember her name i think it's laura or something um that she plays uh she plays her yeah very physically afraid and this is something i was going to bring up later but the way that she plays freya i i find it quite animalistic like the way that she has her sit like she always kind of has her like cooped up in the corner kind of like a cat and whenever merlin comes near her i mean obviously she is frightened of him but it's, it's kind of jumpy like an animal later when she's scoffing the food it's kind of like an animal um so i really liked that but yeah i'm um i'm surprised that she was just kind of so ready to be dragged out of the cage i mean you know i know Mer- i mean she I know Merlin's probably she, stronger than her but he's she, not that strong she wasn't uh she wasn't ready to be dragged out of the cage she like scoots further away from merlin mm. and then merlin um like undoes her chains and yeah. drag like actually does drag her out of there and i can't imagine that merlin even though he's you know scrawny but also he has like the element of surprise she's yeah. clearly in shock she's clearly used to being dragged around by whoever which is mm, why maybe, like, yeah. she's probably like, well, I better go with this guy because else he might kill me. And at least he's smaller than the other guy. Yeah. Also, her name is Laura Donnelly. Thank you. Yes. So. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, and then kind of once he actually gets her down into the dungeons, which I think that's where it is. It's just kind yeah. of like in the in the corridors underneath. Yeah. Um, like I said, I really like the kind of like physicality of the performances like how you know and it's really lovely because he goes to put his coat around her and she flinches like I said sort of like a cat and then he pauses and then like at the end of the scene like he offers the coat like he doesn't put it like like he just like holds it out which it's just such a nice like physical detail and I don't know if that was Colin's idea if it was the director's idea but it's like really nicely mirrored like you know first he like first he kind of goes to put it on without asking then he kind of like offers it up um it's very much like taming a wild animal it is yeah it's basically like like he like sort of walking up to a horse you like you know have to do it slowly not to spook it um which he obviously didn't know when he first you know he's just like oh yeah here's this oh okay sorry sorry about that um which is really which just goes to show that marlon really has led a comparatively sheltered life because he does not see the signs of abuse in her like she she's been flinching away from him this entire time like from the very start, she's been flinching away from him, and then he's like, "Oh yeah, here, take my coat." And it takes her like physically getting away from him now that she can a little more for him mm. to be like, "Oh, okay." Whereas you know, watching her sit in a cage in a in a dress that is in rags with a dirty face and clumpy hair, that didn't give him a clue. 
So. Mm. And, you know, I do like, though, that she's, you know, like she is smart enough to understand, you know, or either smart enough or naive enough, I don't know, whichever one you want to say, to understand what's going on here because she says, why did you help me? You know, she's not assuming that he's brought her down here to murder her, you know. Um, but then again, you know, we do as people, I think anyway, we we do tend to follow our first impression. And when you look at Merlin as a, like a physical person, you really don't look at him and think he poses any kind of threat. He just looks like the personification of sunshine. Like, you know, what could he possibly do to me? You know, is like what you'd think when you see him. So I can completely buy that, you know, if he dragged her out and brought her down here and then, you know, goes to offer his coat, your first instinct would be, oh yeah, well, he's trying to, uh, he's trying to protect me. But um, I like that she asked, you know, like, what, why, like, why did you do that? Like, I don't understand. And then this brings back to what you said earlier, Alex, where you, where you said, oh, he was imagining that it could be him. And, and then he says it here, you know, he just, he just like spells it out for us. You know, it could have been me in that cage. And damn, that always twists a knife in my heart when he says it. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh my God, he, he must live every like waking moment in fear. Not that you'd know it with the amount of magic he does outside. In the middle like of said, the street. Yeah. In the middle of the street. But, you know, if this was a well-written show, he would definitely, you know, have nightmares and be waking from them. So, yeah, he basically, yes, so he says, it could have been me in that cage. And then, um, he, like I said, Merle is so adorable this episode. Like, he has, a, like, two really sweet smiles where he goes, will you will you be all right till then? And he kind of just, like, grin, and his, like, eyes go all squinty. And then when he leaves and she, like, calls him back to say thank you, he kind of has, like, this sunshine smile. And, I mean, this, as a Merlin stan, I was well fed in this episode for, like, adorable Merlin content because the amount of, like, screen-cappable and gifable moments of him smiling, I mean, that that's not going to happen much in season five, so I was very happy. Yep. <laughs> it's so adorable. Like, his eyes go squinty. He looks like an emoji. I love him so much. He looks like an emoji. This is the cutest Colin thing. would hate to hear that. <laughs> Colin doesn't know me and he doesn't care about what I think of his face so it's fine I do have a costume note yes I do have a costume note I don't remember this particular scene but from now on I'm pretty sure Merlin stays in the same outfit and it's blue on blue no. which is very is yeah it's blue shirt blue scarf but which is very interesting but he's wearing a red shirt in this scene yeah, yeah. So I said that from like this point onward. So like oh, in the next scene, he's going to be blue on blue, which is a very odd combination. I mean, no, I'm, no, I'm, no, no. I'm all for it. Oh man, I, uh, well, <laughs> timey wimey, because at the point of this recording, we already recorded our episode the, on exactly on costumes from Merlin and Arthur. But um, when you listen pairing. to this, when you listen to this in like a month, um. I will have forgotten to talk about the um, representation of like Merlin's different aspects and the colors that he wears because um, I always understood that the blue is for the magic and the red is for Camelot. So when he wears blue on blue for the rest of this episode, it represents yeah. how much he's oh. leaning into his magic side. Love that. And how Love much that. he wants to be able to express that part of him. I love that. And I also just see blue as like, you know, you know, like when you're feeling blue, you're feeling depressed. So that or like kind of like it's like a more muted color. I mean, I prefer blue to red, but like it is the more muted of the two and like kind of shows how he's kind of feeling like washed out. But also this episode is the episode where he 
from the very like so from the scene where he wakes up in a minute and like like puts his jacket on the jacket he puts on and the jacket he wears for the rest of the episode because he's given Freya his other jacket it's the it's like my favorite of the two jackets that I was talking about in the costume episode which you guys will have to wait a month to listen to but Merlin has two, yeah Merlin has two jackets one is like a regular like orange based brown color like uh, just like a regular suede color the other one is this one it's like a darker brown it's like a more red toned brown it's really nice on him it looks really nice on his skin tone and it's just I it, it's my favorite of the two jackets and that with the blue on blue combo he just looks like different he looks slightly different in this episode because of like those combinations and i'm always here for it i love his outfits and well his one outfit that he wears in this episode it just makes me very happy to look at him so, i have yeah. a I, I have a question what the fuck happened to the jacket that he gave Freya? because she's not wearing it Ooh. she's never wearing it the only time roland ever like he later he puts his jacket whichever one he's wearing um on freya when she's naked in in the dungeons after she was wounded but like where did the other jacket go did he take it back why would he take it back because he gave it to her so she wouldn't be cold but she also never wears it and i'm just like what happened it's right up there with all the plot holes is she she naked anyways because you'd think she'd turn naked on any of the other nights that she's turned into a basket is she not I, um... i would assume okay for that i have an explanation i would assume that the other nights she actually did take off her dress before she turned into the basket basket because the basket but like but we when we saw her transforming in in the courtyard it's like we can hear her dress mm-hmm. red surprise mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. she didn't she expected to be out of camelot by the time she turned which obviously yeah that's true that's true but isn't she when he goes to see her like in the next scene and she's asleep is isn't she covered under the jacket i thought i thought so i thought she was but then maybe she she just like maybe like she didn't need it anymore because she had the candles and they kept her warm she didn't have candles the first night she she had like three candles and those kept her warm in the cellar Mm-hmm. No. But he brought those. Oh well, you know. Maybe it was the summertime. <laughs> mm-hmm. so she's like, I don't he's, know. He's well, there's moths. So guys, she's part <laughs> cat. She likes to be in warm spots. That's true. That's true. Maybe it was Merlin's warmth that filled the room. Oh God. <laughs> well, my my costume note Ooh. for this scene is um, Merlin's leather bracelet. Ah, bracelet yeah. watch twenty twenty. <laughs> bracelet watch the real reason you're on this episode review (laughs) i think that's valid that's perfectly valid yeah um well so the one that i've uh what i've called next is the one where merlin looks for breakfast and i've kind of like mixed like a like a bunch of scenes with it he's basically just looking uh for food but the only thing that i kind of like had to talk about with with this scene where he's uh taking food off of arthur's plate is that doesn't look like a lot of food for the prince of camelot like that's something i would eat like just as a snack let me talk about the food let me talk about the food because that food and arthur's plate was so obviously bought at a modern day shop and put Mm -hmm. on a plate like there's cheese like cheese and meat wasn't this neatly evenly sliced because medieval no. times didn't have the machines to do it for them and that cheese should have been in chunks and that yeah. meat probably in strips and it wouldn't yeah. have been a slice or two of bread but an actual whole bread yep and as you said it is not a lot of food for the crown prince of camelot like if you if you wanted to convey that arthur wasn't wasteful and only 
like had the servants bring up enough food uh for him to actually feel full and like by now they know how big the portion should be for him like first of all that's still not enough food for a breakfast for, for an athlete for an athlete <laughs> no exactly um and uh second of all yeah it should have been at the very least a lot more a lot more like a, an actual loaf of bread and it's like this this just bugs me almost as much as the ensuing fat shaming and the return of abusive author in the rest of the scene because look i get that burning your foot on boiling water isn't fun but it can't have been that bad because he would have been limping or crying on the floor and I know it's it ties into the final scene, but why does Arthur have to be a choleric bastard, not bastard, bastard, <laughs> in order for him to be nice to Merlin once uh, at the end yeah. of an episode? Like, if I were Arthur, I'd be more concerned with how Merlin managed to get this his bath boiling hot. Yeah, he's not. <laughs> yeah, but you, yeah, but you have a brain that's like slightly different to what we have going Arthur on here. Has Arthur has a brain. Oh he no, he it. doesn't. He does. He sometimes uses it. Not <laughs> in just... ninth episodes, clearly. <laughs> ninth episodes are completely void of brain because he doesn't like Merlin somehow manages to convince him that he's not stealing his food. Like <laughs> it's just I don't understand like Arthur, I don't know what. But I completely agree with you. It's very disappointing considering the progress that we have kind of made this season. But the only reason I was able to forgive it is because I kind of feel like we need some like I feel like we needed Arthur to be this cruel in order to justify why Merlin would like that leave. Is, I that is one of the tropes I hate most in like sequel movies where the couple already got together at the end of the first movie mm -hmm. and then to create some conflict in yeah. the second movie because they're already a couple you know one of them suddenly changes and is all yeah. mean and controlling yeah. and not understanding enough and i'm like you spent a whole movie which probably spent a lot more time and probably you were already childhood friends right before you got together mm -hmm. so you know this person and now suddenly they're changing completely and you're like oh there's this other tasty person that i could be getting with instead mm. just like this is such like even if you don't read merlin and arthur as a romantic couple um which mo like you're not supposed to do when you watch this show but a lot of people do it anyway because come on you can't yeah <laughs> like you can't not uh even i have to admit that but like um even if you only look at them as as a friendship, it's just like, this is so overdone. And Arthur, I mean, Arthur made some great progress in the first season. And then they reversed all of that at the beginning of the second season uh, with like uh, the Cornelius Segan episode, which was already terrible. And then he finally made some progress again during this season. It was really hot for for. And now he's just reverting back yet again. And I'm just like, when does it end? Let the man, it doesn't. Have, some, <laughs> let the man have some character development. Yes, please. I mean, the one <laughs> thing that I will say that it like kind of makes this bearable for me is that, you know, like I said, it is, you know, unfortunately, Arthur is a complete background character in this episode, like 1000%. He's not important, like in the slightest. And so I'm kind of like, fine. Like, I can see what you're doing here, show. I don't like it, but I can see what you're doing here. Like, I can see why it's being done like this, as opposed to something like The Curse of Cornelius Segan, where I don't understand why they did it like that. And in The Curse of Cornelius Segan, 
it was just like constant cruelty and like nonstop. Whereas I do feel like in Lady of the Lake, you know, he does throw the apple at Merlin like in frustration and pours water over him. The other times that we see Arthur, um, which we see him quite a few times, uh, he's not actually uh, trying, like he's not being hashtag cruel Arthur. He's basically just like the butt of the joke. Like you, you, like you've got the food and then you've got the dress and then he shows up briefly when he wounds Freya. So this is actually like the worst that we see him in the episode and it's only this one moment. So I'm kind of like, fine. Like it's not like it's constantly like beating me over the head with it every time he's on screen. But I agree, it's just like even though I can see why they did it and it does provide that contrast that I was talking about earlier with the whole Freya thing. It's still, yeah. Like I wish they could have done it more subtly, like show how Merlin's life sucks more subtly, but they don't know how to do that. So it's just, (laughs) yeah, it's like, mm. (laughs) I mean, I will say the, the script for this episode is terrible. I mean, it is legitimately awful. Like some of the lines of dialogue that we have between Merlin and Frey, I mean, they've never been good at writing romance dialogue just in general, unless it's accidental, like in, like, like in the case of Merlin and Arthur, like, which is all romance dialogue. Like any dialogue between Merlin and Arthur is actually really good. And then like when they try, it's just no. And so of course, all of this script is terrible. Like there's like lines in it that I'm like, oh wow. But um there's no subtlety either and cruel Arthur or abusive Arthur just yeah. I mean he is an easy thing to implement because hey, it's funny, right? Although this scene this scene was um strike two for fat shaming in this episode. Yeah, that was another one. Um but I mean yeah, I go like- for it. I say what one thing I love about Merlison podcast is that you guys do these great like character development deep dives where I'm just like, oh, they put dry ice in the water to simulate steam, but that's Ooh! not how that works. No, but that's awesome. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can tell because the, the little ste- how the little fog kind of just kind of sat right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. look at that i'm like that's dry ice. the sound effect as well like, see i was not put his foot on a grill see i was i was i was thinking that like i was like oh nice they made a whirlpool i want to be in that <laughs> that's that's the first bubbles like just the, the, the like looks like it looks like a jacuzzi oh, yeah. but then when it's when it's kind of settled and he's looking at yeah. it, and he's got this kind of like cloud floating low on it. Yeah, that's not what steam does, Karen. <laughs> there is a sound effect that kills eyes. me. It's, like, it's so good. Yeah, that's <laughs> I saw that, and I was like, I had to stop the episode for a bit and be like, what? <laughs> it looks like a Actually, loony that's how you know it was. That, that's how you know it hurt Arthur, not his cry of pain. No, not the fact that he says it's boiling. No, it's to let it It's so good. But I can tell you that, you know, and, uh, you know, this scene was used by many a vidder for many a year. And when I say vidders, I mean me, whenever I was using <laughs> it for either something to do with Martha that was less than wholesome or something to do with Colin that was less than wholesome because water, Colin, shirt. Yes. It's <laughs> basically all I was thinking. Like it was, it was so much water. There was so much water. And we get more of that in upcoming seasons. Thanks, Morgana. Yes, please. Yeah, go. <laughs> just pour it, just pour another bucket of water on that boy, please. Um, so unfortunately we have to move on from Wet Merlin. It's very sad. But um we have something slightly to cool us down, which is Gaius. And that is uh the one where Gaius is very suspicious. <laughs> 
because he is. That's pretty um, usual. I just, what I love about this scene is like, Hutha looking up at the word druid and Gaius looking up at the word escape. He's <laughs> like, they both have <laughs> completely different priorities here. Hutha <laughs> is like, hmm, magic, nice. <laughs> and like, Gaius is like, Merlin. <laughs> it's like, was that you? <laughs> He's just there, like, on constant alert for, like, completely different things. But also being really domestic. I love that guys just sits with him. Thank you. My title scene is the one with cozy husbands discussing business of the state. Yes. That's (laughs) just like, why why is guys there? Why is guys doing his paperwork next to (laughs) Uther? Clearly, they're married and spending quality time together while doing home office. Of course. (laughs) They're they're socially isolating (laughs) Working while from sitting- home. <laughs> yeah. While sitting oh next god. to each other. <laughs> oh god. Um like, this yeah. Guys, I was just saying, guys is giving us as the audience some helpful exposition about the druids and their beliefs and like telling us that the druids um like would never cast someone out uh without very good like the uh, like the, the, the knights or oh, no Halik says um well, the the druids didn't want her, or whatever uh, he says, or like even the druids were afraid of her. They kicked her out, and then guys is like, "Hmm, that's very unlike the mm-hmm. druids. They're actually a very kind people and yeah. always help people, uh, help other people in need." Which now tells us the audience, interesting, Freya might be dangerous. Merlin might be in danger. Yeah and uh there's like a little tiny bit right after there's like kind of like an in-between scene where Halig is like assessing people and like my first instinct is like oh really like this whole trope the whole like i'm gonna like move you along but then stare at you right after boring but also like is merlin really allowed to be treated with the same kind of level of like meh <laughs> as the rest of the peasants like do we have no like concept of social class in this show i'm just like no. Can someone please read it's Privileges also- of Rank? Read Privileges of Rank! <laughs> honestly... The answer is no. Honestly, um, the the whole lineup is, is pointless anyway, because, like, he looks at them close up when actually he's... Like, it makes more sense that he finds Merlin suspicious as he watches him walk away, because that's how he saw Merlin before. Mm. But he doesn't watch any of the other people walk away <sighs> to to see if that's, like reminds him of anything and i'm just like i thought he got knocked out by a sign how did he see anybody he didn't that's the thing he he got knocked down but then he he got up again (laughs) he got knocked down but he got up again again. nothing's gonna keep him down no nothing's gonna keep him down he took a whiskey drink after (laughs) god's sake so yeah oh man but yeah so uh that's that and then merlin goes down to watch her sleep like Edward Cullen would. I mean, he probably is just like, you know, kind of like, oh, girl, 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 girl. <laughs> like he does. Um, but yeah, so so he kind of like goes to wake her. And like I said, she does the thing where, he, where she's like startled and he has to apologize. Yeah, of course. But, you know, to be fair, like I've been woken up by people before and I've not reacted that way. So that's like more like a her thing because she's frightened, of course, because she's, you know, a prisoner <laughs> like, that makes sense She's um, what yeah did. absolutely um and so he he's starting to learn you see he's learning he's using he just lays the food out in front of her and then like just backs away um while she's like scoffing it and um he asks he asks her two questions and she asks why are you asking me all these questions <laughs> it's like two questions <laughs> and they're both yeah and they're both pretty valid 
questions to be quite honest with you like what he's asking he's just basically asking how she got here and like you know what's going on um and they're kind of just you know getting to know each other and um uh i think he asks about the the symbol on her arm and she says that it's a druid symbol and yeah was she born a druid but then she asks him does anyone know about um about your magic which i think is really nice and then like he he said he goes only you because he's trying to make her feel special <laughs> it's like only you know about my magic and, and then he remembers and then he remembers all oh, right in relationships we have to be honest and one other person which is also a lie because there are it's at two least three people, people there's three people alive who know about this magic exactly his, his mother still exists don't well, tell I mean, the show that <laughs> i was about to say the show doesn't know that but <laughs> in theory she's in exists. theory she exists yeah what um, i liked is yeah. that um there's this little bit of dialogue where freya says i'm cursed and then Merlin says don't say that magic can be a gift and Freya, like you can see her on her inside, she goes, "No, buddy, I'm literally cursed to turn yeah, into a <laughs> Yeah, he assumes she has magic. Yeah, he's assuming here. Yeah, yeah, because because uh, well, he never he never asked her, or like he never listened to her when she was so like she he doesn't listen when she's sort of trying to tell him, and he's just assuming because I mean she was in a bounty hunter's cage and um you know and she has a druid symbol and the only druids he has ever met were magic so. Mona is making assumptions, which he shouldn't do. Yeah, it's but, the the misunderstanding here is painful to look at. Like it really is yeah. just and like I love how like, he's he's so used to being emo that whenever so like she's basically like, no, I'm cursed. Like she's just stating facts, but he's so <laughs> used to being emo that he takes that to mean like his language and like I'm cursed. Like <laughs> Yeah, me too. Me too. Me too girl. Yeah, yeah, it's I'm cursed. <laughs> so cursed yeah. it's a curse i must bear and he's used to it from arthur as well because arthur speaks emo he's just like you don't know what it's like to have a destiny you can't escape <laughs> like he also is like like his husband speaks emo so he doesn't know any difference so he's just like yeah like this girl gets me man like <laughs> this, like, this is so legit this is Mother. this is why freya is not like the other girls because she gets it yeah. But then the, the other thing that I like is that Merlin does some pretty magic because he likes doing pretty things with his magic and he looks so happy. Like, look at his little happy yeah. face as he does the, as he makes the little flames float. And it's just like, you can see how happy it makes him to do pointless things that look nice. Yes. Except. Same with that smoke horse, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And with the, you know, we keep bringing it up in the, uh, in Later in season five, when he gets his magic back, the first thing he does is create a butterfly. Oh god, don't do this to me. <laughs> like, Marlon is so happy doing pretty magic and he gets a chance to do pretty magic for someone else and not just himself. And all the other times he has to do like fighting magic or like chore magic, like useful magic. But no, he actually, he just wants, he just wants to be basic practical magic. <laughs> uh, he just wants to be a party wizard doing flashy things to, to show off to children who then clap and cheer for him. That's like, honestly... Um, if you've read uh, in like the cycle of the year, we begin again. That is exactly that is exactly yes. what Merlin does yes. in the twenty first century. And I'm just like that is so in character because that's all he wanted all his life. He is living his best life. Yeah, there. yeah. And that author comes back and destroys it all. God damn it! Arthur. Seriously, just stay dead. 
Oh God. <laughs> Calm down. Um, but yeah, it's like it's so lovely to see him like so proud of himself. And I will say, like, you know, he is like kinda like cutesy and whatever, but damn, like he's got some moves. Like, you know, he's got like the whole rose thing going on. He's got the candlelight thing going on. Where did he the get rose? this smooth? Uh it's coming up. But yeah, yeah. the candle spot, I have a I have a visual effects note here. Yes. <laughs> So the floating floating flames is an easy peasy enough effect, but I would have liked to have seen the flames uh, reflected in the eyes, or at least have the lighting on their face change as the candle as a, as the fire moves across. Oh, it. Damn. They didn't put any of that in, and I was like, mm, they failed. They failed. The entire episode is ruined now. Um, yeah, so uh, basically, Merlin has a moment where he's staring at Freya, and then he kind of. A beautiful acting moment from Colin where he kind of does his little, oh, like, sulky sulk because he's remembering his horrible, shitty life that he has to go back to. And then he goes, I have to go. And he gets up and he leaves. And, and that's the end of the scene. And, yeah, and then and that makes me sad whenever that happens. <laughs> I'm always like, oh, God. And then in the next scene, which I've titled, the one where Gaius doesn't believe a word Merlin says... Well, funnily enough, I've called it the one where Merlin is bad at lying, but the only note I have for it is, does Gaius believe a single word he says? No, he does not. Do you not think? Because I can't tell with him. That's the problem. I feel like, I feel like Gaius is being passive aggressive in this, in this scene, and he clearly knows Merlin helped, and I don't know why he isn't just telling him so. Like, all this the bullshit plot. about, all this bullshit about children need to make their own mistakes doesn't apply in this situation, so Gaius, and like, Gaius doesn't usually believe in children need to make their own mistakes anyway. And I'm just, I, I'm pretty sure Gaius is like sure that Merlin got involved. Um, even though, and he's like giving Merlin the chance to like come clean and tell him so. But like, obviously Merlin isn't going to do that because he doesn't want to be yelled at by Gaius. <laughs> oh God. But yeah, Gaius just like, I love how he just like points the, what the fuck is he holding? Like a pocket knife or something? Just like, I wouldn't want to be in their shoes. <laughs> it's like, oh man, guys, like I do. Oh, he's, I don't know how he survived, outlived them all because that man has been putting up with so much. Um, so the one with the drumsticks, I mean, basically I've actually put a note here that I think any and all scenes with Arthur in them literally are just to remind us of how shit Merlin's life is because there is absolutely no reason for Merlin to steal food off of Arthur's plate when he could steal it from the kitchens. But they had to have Arthur in this episode to remind us about Merlin's shitty life because stealing food from the kitchens would maybe make the audience forget about Merlin's shitty life because this is the most like inefficient way of stealing food for someone. Off his plate? Are you kidding? Yeah. It's friggin' hilarious, though. It is very funny. Yeah, that's that's the only other reason that it's in there, for comedy relief. And, like, okay, I have I have a couple of notes. First of all, were they actually called drumsticks back in medieval no. times? No! Because no. I'm sure they were. No, they weren't. <laughs> I, should... I have, like, five lines of text here I've typed in. They do not have sausages <laughs> like that either. either. Sausages <laughs> did not look like that either. Like, they bet... I just... I want to. I want to hear Amp's five lines of notes. Yes. Oh no, you don't. It's I do. Just like copy paste on Wikipedia. Please. <laughs> but yeah, but, um, Ed Mall just think that people started calling this part of 
the bird the drumstick because the word leg wasn't polite table talk in the 18th and 19th century. The first recorded uh, uh, citation of this um, word is like 1764 ah. from a Samuel Foot play. Uh, so Samuel's Foot's play. <laughs> I stuck at the play. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> King. Yeah, they were saying that, King. you know, oh, the, the term leg and breast and thigh were too coarse for the ears of ladies oh and unfit mixed company oh which made me laugh because like my grandpa calls the little tail of a chicken the pope's nose so, <laughs> so, so yeah so. uncouth that makes you know? sense though like that makes sense in my head that they would do that so yeah I, yeah that yeah makes sense absolutely yeah so for me at the other my other note is that um I mean, sure, it's funny how Merlin's making the food fly into his pitcher, but also he's going to have to clean that pitcher and it's all greasy now. And then Arthur, like, Arthur can spare a meal because he hasn't gone hungry a day in his life, right? So it's not about that. But I still object to the gaslighting going on where Merlin is like, no, you didn't have drumsticks. No, you didn't have sausages. And I'm, and like, just, yes. that's that's like, classic gaslighting happening there are you sure you didn't eat them already yeah and like for anyone who doesn't know what gaslighting is it's when um someone tries to trick someone else into thinking that what they think is real isn't real even though it is real that's a classic like behavior of abusers so um merlin merlin doing that to Arthur is like making me very cringy So, um, yeah, that's just, <laughs> yeah. And then the next one, I suppose we can go on to the next one. Yeah, I just call it the one with the interrogation. Um, mm. I, uh, basically, it's just, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, you know, Halek is smart, like, you know, I'll give him that, but it's basically just, yeah, an excuse for us to see. Uh, the fact that he is catching on to Merlin and that he'll probably get caught eventually. But the bit I wanted to focus on was just more kind of, well, I mean, just me personally, like, you know, you guys can go back if you want to after, but uh, just like wh- when Arthur actually comes in, because A, why is he down there? But B, uh, but, but B, just like the ease with which he just goes, leave him alone. Like, <laughs> I don't know if people are just that scared of Arthur, like that he just allowed Arthur to just like, push his arm down but how like Arthur doesn't seem that like frightened that this dude is about to like you know give it to Merlin and beat him up like he's just basically like just casually grabs his arm uh can you stop that like it's just so like (laughs) I don't know like like, maybe that was just like a power move like maybe I should like feel respect but I'm just like wow he really was confident to be able to stop him wasn't he (laughs) it's kind of brilliant really but yeah that's that's Arthur's whole thing he's confident that's true. Um, but yeah, also, hey, like, as he leaves, it was one of my favorite quips. Don't forget your dinner. It's just so brilliant. Like, I just always loved it how he kind of, even like one of the most like, f- like fierce villains in Merlin needs to have like a little quip as he walks away. He's like, don't forget your dinner. It's just brilliant. And I do love that. I have a feeling that was to make uh, Arthur look down and be like, what are you talking about? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. I do quite, I do quite like this moment like between them just because like i i love scenes between them where merlin is like getting away with murder and arthur is just like allowing it to happen like he is the prince of camelot and he is standing there 
and just like this is happening to him he's literally being bullshitted this hard and like i said alex like he doesn't have a brain either that or he just loves Merlin so much he's happy to just let this continue because it entertains him because he's just kind of like oh those are my sausages you took them it's just like how it's complete bullshit because the entire like merlin getting away but also the joke being on author is again about like merlin fat shaming author and being like see it's working that i've taken that i'm taking your food and now you're not fat which first of all like i said is fat shaming second of all is another sort of abusive kind of thing to do it's like i'm taking your food for your own good and it's just like that's the entire quote unquote joke. And then after actually at the end of the scene, like he's he's so stunned by what Merlin said, and he even looks down at his own stomach, which is supposed to make us laugh. And I'm just like, oh my god, this is terrible. Like I I I like banter stuff between them, but that is just this entire episode is just like a back and forth between Arthur being abusive and Merlin being abusive and I'm just like where does the where like it's no wonder Merlin is trying to have a different kind of relationship but also he also wants a relationship where the other person is entirely dependent on him it's just it's not great it's really not great yeah I mean no go ahead I I was gonna say nothing of importance please go (laughs) you know how you guys talk about uh, how they constantly hit the reset button on character development and growth in this series. Yes. Well, when Arthur barges in there and and Hagen's like, you know, he's, we suspect him. And he's like, no, Merlin has my absolute trust. And I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> Since when? Yeah. Like, well, that's kind of a weird. I, it was probably a, like a power play move, but I'm like, he doesn't have your absolute trust. Unbelievable. Yeah, that that was a big moment for a lot of us Martha Shippers at the time. And yeah, just kind of thrown out so casually. Like, it wasn't, like, made into a big scene because it made it very difficult for me to, like, clip that audio for vids. It was so upsetting. He says it in, like, in a sentence while he's talking quickly. And I was like, Arthur, you couldn't have said it emotionally with, like, a bit at the beginning and a bit at the end for me to just, like, clip it nicely and save it. No, it was hot. It was it was a tough life. It was a tough life. And then yeah, he like sounded. says it again, and like, but you know, he says many many nicer things later in the show. And I forgot all about this line, so it's all good. It was a happy ending, except for Arthur who died. But you know, hmm. it's all good. <laughs> Don't laugh. How, how dare you? Um, but uh, yeah. So what is the next scene? I called I called it the one with the second date uh, because Merlin goes back down to Freya to give her the. Uh, the sausages and the drumsticks that he stole off of his plate and they talk more about it. I don't actually have any notes on this scene. Um, What, what have I got? Oh, I, I, I've called it the one with one. Oh, go for it then. Um, at one point Freya says, Merlin asks, you know, how, how did you get into this situation? And she says, you can't always trust people. And Merlin says, I know. That's why I left. Yeah, home. I have that like, note wait, too. Wait, what? <laughs> Clearly, he didn't trust Will because uh, so no, so he lied to Will. Then this is canonically lied to Will when he said, "You know, I know that you wouldn't have told anyone." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, bro." <laughs> Actually, I don't. Really I don't know. think your mummy sent you away. Okay, um, I don't think. I don't think he was talking about Will. I think he was talking about other people in Yellow who would have found out about it and that he couldn't trust and we like i don't know if we know 
I think we assume that Huneth sent him away when Will found out because Huneth got cold feet and was like, oh no, this time you got lucky because it's your best friend slash boyfriend who found out, but what if someone else finds out who doesn't like you? Um, but yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, this scene is just basically used for like, you know, some bonding time and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, the main thing that I kind of picked up on this was when she says that she was in the cage for a few days and she changes every night at midnight and Halig never saw her in her changed form. He does. He did. I mean, no, he... no, he, no, no. He says he doesn't know what's up with her, just that he oh. heard she was cursed. I mean, supposedly he was never around for it. Like maybe he was asleep. He's always in the tavern eating his his big leg of mutton. Probably, yeah. They're open late then. They're open later than my pub. <laughs> That's like yeah. well, they impressive. didn't have any restrictions. Your pubs closed down in part because they have to. <laughs> <laughs> no such thing in the medieval times. <laughs> Oh my the gosh. oldie pub. <laughs> the, the oldie pub. Um, but yeah, I love the um, the moment where she says my family died, which obviously assumes she killed her family. Um, that's well, that's how I read that anyway. Oh man, I didn't even think about that. I did think that's fantastic. <laughs> I did think about that. I just I I'm not entirely sure if it's true, like if that's what actually happened, but I can definitely see that that's what happened. Yeah, I mean... Got some serious fucking galaxy brain going on. <laughs> stop it, stop it, but really tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what I really love about this is, like, I love, like, like soft, like, kind of, like, feels and, like, kind of, like, when you've got, like, a ship that you're setting up and they're both like kind of like startled by each other because they're like the feelings and they don't really know what's going on and I just think it's cute and they are very much like this here like Merlin's got the whole startled thing going on like they touch hands and he's like and then like she's like and then he put and then like she pulls his hand back down and she's like and they're all just like like that and it's really sweet <laughs> I think it's really lovely I mean Merlin doesn't you know he doesn't know about girls and I don't know what she knows about but you know she's this she's just, happy this is just so season three when they talk about the gift from morgana girls feelings yeah oh my god or maybe it's maybe it's something to do about there's like, like a couple of moments like that yeah but yeah. that's one of them Might it's have been, just it's I don't sweet think dreams it it's sweet dreams yeah yeah sweet dreams like, but yeah oh uh, it's just like it's really nice and like when when like he walks away uh, okay if, okay well first of all he says i've never known anyone like you which this is the kind of script that thing i was talking about before can anyone on the podcast explain to me how that line makes any sense i've never known anyone like you i mean in what way is that factual at all or make any sense he doesn't know anything about her other than that she lived by a lake and there are plenty of people that live by a lake so there are plenty of people like her so i'm just like Someone who'll give him the time of day. Oh, God. Someone, That's... someone who knows about Gwen his kissed ma- him. S- someone who knows about his magic is a girl. <laughs> and that's about it. <laughs> and not his mother. What else do you mean? <laughs> someone who knows about his magic is a girl and not his mother. <laughs> so obviously. He ha- yeah. It's, oh, man. This is just script. Please. I have a feeling that it might just be to set up... A- so as we're talking here, I've noticed you were asking about why would he steal the plate or steal the food off Arthur's plate. And in my head, I'm thinking, well, just so they can set up that dialogue line of 
oh, this food, trust me, it's fit for a <laughs> yeah. And then, and then here, you know, like I've never met anyone like you. Maybe is to set up the future line of when she says it to him. But it's in the same scene. <laughs> it's like yeah, in the exactly. Same the payoff. Oh God, the payoff isn't paying. <laughs> Just like <laughs> I know, it's it's, it's, it's poorly written. It's so bad. I think that's what they were trying to do. Yeah, but I mean, he gives like this adorable little cheek bite because a girl complimented him, and it's cute. <laughs> I know, I know. Like you know, I just yeah, you know. Oh, look probably- at him being. He's probably thinking, must not get a boner, must not get a boner. Oh, he's having a very, very large bisexual panic right now. Like, 100%. Yeah, Yeah, so I completely relate, but it's just like, I just wish that he was panicking over better written dialogue, that's all. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So there's a scene that's pointless where he's, like, singing and eating loudly and skip. And then... Actually, um, please do. Sorry. No, no, it's not important, but I do hope that somebody out there with a... I have a pretty good musical ear, but I wish somebody with a better musical ear than I could tell me what he's humming, because I bet you he's humming something. It's like, come on. We deploy our fleet of more listeners. Someone find out and tell us. Yeah. Someone who could better listen to Death Cab, because it wasn't me. (laughs) But also, you, you skipped a lot of scenes. Um, so the one with the day for night, yeah, that's the one where the couple gets murdered. And again, I ask, why didn't, like, okay, it might have been that it was after midnight, but also how long does she turn into a panther for until she has killed? Does she turn back once she has killed and that's why she has to kill? But also she could just decide to stay a panther for the rest of her life. I mean, that's pretty cool, right? Be a winged panther. So it's, yeah, it's the one where the couple dies. Then it's the one with Detective Gaius, because Gaius is the one who's like, well, there are no, uh, there are these footprints here, but they are very small footprints. So it couldn't have been a large person, but also there are no animal footprints. Mm -hmm. So what was it? And Uther is very quick with the sorcery. (laughs) (laughs) Love Um, him. But also, I think there's a bit here where Gaius is looking in the book. And what I love is that the first thing he's looking at is a wraith. Yeah, he's looking at something definitely. I didn't. Yeah, well, no, he, he is looking at the wraith, which I love because, like, you know, he's kind of thinking what it could be that is human, you know, because it's human footprints, right. and that, and that's right. like the first place that his mind goes to, which I think is really cool, and it reminds us, you know, of other things that we've had in Merlin, which we've we, we, we had a wraith already. This again makes me think that you know she turns back once she has killed, because otherwise she could have just flown away once she's killed. The, the people but she had to walk away on her human feet yeah right so and also she decided to walk back to the to the cellar which somehow she remembered how to get to even though she was running before ah, logic who needs it <sighs> i don't guys and glasses <laughs> yeah. um so then the next one is the one with the third date which originally had all my notes on how i think their relationship is very imbalanced which i already talked about mm-hmm. yeah but... i think i called this one the one with the strawberry strawberry yes. <laughs> strawberry yeah. um yeah strawberry, strawberry. um <laughs> I mean, some kind of logic things aside, if he's so... Okay, well, first of all, he offers her food and then doesn't give her food, so meh. And second of all, if he is confident enough that he can magic her any topping that he wants onto the bread, then why didn't he he, do it before? Why did he have to steal it? Steal food. Just script. (laughs) 
please. <laughs> just, I don't understand who wrote this. It's just so bad. Um, but uh, I just wrote, this is damn cute. I love the music in this scene. It's just like, I can't remember if they had music in the scene uh, that they just had prior, but this music is just like really, really lovely and makes me feel really emotional whenever I watch it. I, damn. Well, Cello, if slash when you listen to this, please can you let me know if this is anywhere on the soundtrack? Because I feel like the reason why it sounds so special is because I haven't heard it on the soundtrack and like I really, really want to listen to it. Um, yeah, so this is what uh, where I put the quote, like, with you, I can just be who I am. We don't have to hide anything. We don't have to worry. And yeah, that basically to me just says everything I need to know about what Merlin's feeling about this relationship. And it's what, uh, and it's also what I covered at the beginning of the episode. Um, yeah. yeah. Also uh, I've kind of like just grouped. Well, I mean, I didn't like group, but like I kind of grouped this in the kiss together. I don't know if you guys had like a different scene for the kiss or if no. you had it like kind of in the same, a little, bit. A little, yeah, it was, that, yeah. Um, the bit where she says, why are you so good to me? It, that, like that phrase is ruined for me by Forrest Gump. So when she says that, I expect him to be like, "Cause you're my girl." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you so good to me? I'm like, no. Oh, Why are you so good to me? Oh. Also, the strawberry. Like this guy's like the greatest sorcerer ever. Yeah. Did he like purposely mess that up? Like, no, I, I feel like I feel like it's um a case of I. I feel like I've definitely read about this in, in fan fiction where like he meant to do something, but because uh he is feeling another kind of uh, way, his magic just sort of, you know, gets uh, you know, gets its signals crossed. So instead of like doing the magic that he means to do, the magic is doing what Merlin is wants. feeling. So and Merlin is feeling like romantic and i want to shower her in roses so the magic produces a rose instead of the strawberry that merlin was supposed to be producing like he has this kind of um embarrassed look right when he opens the when he opens his hand he looks a little bit embarrassed but in in a cute way it's like oh shucks that wasn't supposed to happen but here have a flower um well speaking of nothing related no (laughs) nothing related whatsoever um the kissing scene i really like this most of all i love how this is filmed i have like a thing about like symbolism when it comes to like kind of framing and the light that's used especially with like romantic scenes and i mean you look at a first kiss like arthur and gwen's which is out in the open light streaming through the window I mean, not out in the open, like where people can see them, sure, but just like symbolically, you know, it's kind of like it was a lighter shot for sure. Yeah, but also like, yeah, it, yeah, it's close, but it's not claustrophobic. You know, they're very. It, yes. In fact, they're not even touching; like they're standing completely apart. You know, it's like just it, it's a completely different feel to it. And you know, then I at the time contrasted it to Lancelot and Gwen's kiss down in the dungeons um, of the castle, and that was obviously like the the complete opposite. And this reminds me a bit of that because. You know, he's holding the one candle, the candle that he magicked. So, you know, it's kind of like lit, you know, like the scene is lit from him, like, you know, from within almost. Um, And almost it's just like they're cramped together. Like the camera is God knows where. It's just kind of like off to the side somewhere. They're like completely pressed up together, like like hiding. And it's such a claustrophobic shot. It's so cramped. Like they barely even have to move, like to actually like reach each other. And it just, it just really makes me like have all the feels because I'm like, you know, this is kind of so symbolic of like, you know, Merlin's, you know, 
need to hide himself from the world and you know even if he had this relationship like they would still have to hide you know she says i would you know we'd have to keep looking over our shoulder you know both of us with magic or you know having been touched by magic and it's just so symbolic and that's you know apart from the fact that it's just a really sweet tender way that they did it whatever my thoughts on the ship whatever i think about of who merlin should have ended up with who he shouldn't have ended up with blah 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 i'm just like this is so sweet and how they're both like like you've got the single tear that he's crying like i think they're both crying but like you see like the tear fall down merlin's face and they both have that moment where they're kind of like the way they're acting it is like they're calm about it like they're just kind of like breathing like kind of slower and like calmer after it's happened but they both are shocked merlin looks like he's shaking a bit and i'm just like it's so soft <laughs> it's so beautiful i like i'll stop now but oh it's oh, it's so why, it's so lovely why is merlin crying like i watched this and i was like oh this is a nice touch and then i thought about it, i was like why is he crying it's because oh, of everything we've talked about his first like kiss since i mean you know like gwen kissed him that, how much it means it, that was probably his first kiss actually like was gwen and it was obviously you know he probably doesn't remember it because he was like literally just like out of the jaws of death okay, but and why, this is his first but kiss. that's that's nothing to cry about so like, some people it is he's an emotional boy <laughs> no but like it's He's been he's been emotional before that. Like the only reason we see the tears because he closes his eye, like he closes his eyes for the kiss, and that's when the when the uh, the water in his eyes basically spills over because it gets replaced by the lid by his eyelid. But he's been emotional before that. So what what made him so sad? It's just, I don't know, I guess, you know, she's crying. It's sad. It's sad. It's, yeah, it's like just, emo like, it's just emotional. Like, you know, sometimes we cry because there's too much inside and, and like, we don't know how, you know, how to deal with it. You know, that's why sometimes we cry when we're mad. Sometimes we cry when we're happy. It's just, you know, I thought it was nice and they're both crying and it's just like crying solidarity and yeah, he's just like, and they're holding hands as well. Like they're like they're like holding hands like right up by the face. It's such a lovely, lovely shot. It really is. It's just, it's it's really, really romantic and it's really well filmed. And I just, I really like the way they did it. I basically had the same question going into this as Alex with the like, why the tear? But then hearing rocks just go on and on, waxing poetic about how emotional everything is and like how you know they've just looking for this one moment with each other like and i'm like okay you know what you've answered my question before we even got to the point so ah, that's why that's why the feels win yes again <laughs> um i don't know like but I, like, you know but the whole rose thing like you know it's, it's what his heart like deep yeah. down is like everything he's wanted and yeah it's everything know, he's wanted and you I mean, please don't get me wrong. Me, like my thoughts on this episode or on anything that I watch in general, are heavily biased by the fact that I have no capability of holding anything in. Like it just, I just basically am like, I feel so much when I watch this. But Merlin might have just stubbed his toe. I like, I don't know. Like it could be completely unrelated. But um, I just their their teeth clacked. You know, you know. Ow! You know, oh. Oh, there you go. That's what Bless happened. Bless him. A, a terrible second kiss, indeed. But yeah, I just thought it was it was super symbolic and it was super lovely. And yeah, I just I just really 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 like it. Um, the one 
that I oh okay no I did actually have a note about this uh, skip scene uh, I put the one where Merlin is lovesick and um, I basically like when he's walking around the room like the only note I had for it was uh, one kiss and he's like <laughs> literally like he's so extra like he's just Imagine- like one kiss Imagine what he's like once he got laid. Don't. Oh, gonna you were gonna, in, in don't, proper, don't say it. <laughs> in proper films, like like in, in like a when you have the time to spend on stuff like this, this is a scene that would come after a character got laid. Yeah. Where they're walking around like This is such a kiddie version. Yeah, this is such a kiddie version of that. It meant a lot to him, and clearly it's enough to have him singing while he's eating. It's very cute. Um but uh like so Right after this is when we have the scene with Freya again. And I'm just a bit like, I feel like there was a scene missing here. I don't know if I'm the only one that's getting that impression, but I I know that they've kissed and then he's got the scene where he's like all nice and happy and jolly and whatever. But like, he's literally like going crazy right now. He's like, oh my God, like I had to see you. Like I couldn't, like I couldn't stay away. And like, I have like, I have had enough of all of this. Like I want us to get out of here. And I'm like, I feel as though the progression has been like quite, you know, They've they've only just for two days. It's like the the progression is quick anyway. This is the moment where I felt like it was unnaturally fast. Like from one kiss, he's gone from like being cutesy boy to basically being like Romeo and like swooping in. He wants some more. He wants some more kissing. <laughs> he just wants to go somewhere where they can do more kissing. This, it's very cute. But. I feel like there should have probably been a scene in between. Oh, the times. Um, the humming yeah. and this one, which I yeah. thought the one with the fourth date, because that's now the fourth time that they've talked to each other. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it should have been another scene where he has like an eye-opening moment of like my life in Camelot is actually brother like is like where he feels like his life in Camelot is terrible. Yes. Yes. I'm, yes. It should have been any like could have been another author scene. Please, no abusive author, but like it could have been any anything where he's like reminded of the fact that he cannot be purely himself in in Camelot right uh so that is something that should have pushed him over the edge into then going to Freya and being like okay I've decided uh you're leaving Camelot and also I'm coming with you and it's like honestly the moment he announced it that he's going with Freya you know she's going to die that's the moment you realize okay Freya is probably going to die or something else is going to happen that separates them because clearly Merlin can't leave Camelot. So, yeah. yeah. That, that sealed her fate. Merlin saying that he's going to come with her. That sealed her fate. This um, let's run away scene. Bracelet watch 2020. <laughs> he still has it on. Nice. He's still wearing nice. it. And in the next, keep an eye out. And in the next scene, um, Merlin, it, which I called the one where Gwen gets to say a dozen words, and that's pretty much all about the scene because Merlin is in Morgana's chambers without anyone stopping him and rifling through her wardrobe without anyone actually taking notice until Gwen accidentally wanders in on him. And it's like, what are you doing? And she actually lets him get away with it. And just like, what? Why? 
And then the... Merlin gets away with everything he tries in this episode. It's very then, unlike Merlin. It's, it's very strange. And then the next scene, which ties into this one, so maybe you guys grouped it together, but I called it the one where Arthur shows how supportive he is. Because, okay, it's a bit of a wild conclusion to go from he's carrying a dress to he must be wearing it in his free time. But honestly, good for Arthur for being accepting of Merlin's cross-dressing tendencies that he assumes Merlin has. He even pays him a compliment. Like, really, sometimes Arthur is very forward-thinking and tolerant, and other times he douses Merlin in cold water for his bath water being too hot. I'm just like, I'm getting whiplash, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I literally, like, I would have lifted both of these scenes from the episode. I think they're completely pointless. <laughs> and I have nothing yeah. to say about either of them. I'm just... there, is a great, there is a great little um, just comedic timing moment from Arthur there, just as they pass, and he just kind of stops and he's got that profile looking, kind of like looking up. Like, yeah, I see you. Suspicious. And then, you know, says, what are you doing? But just before that, when Berlin's walking down the the corridor with this dress and these two guards are like walking really close together and just the way they kind of pass like Merlin it almost feels like a season a series one episode where Merlin's still trying to figure out how to walk past guards in tight corridor like everybody's kind of do I kind of stand this way and they're not giving him room and I realized afterwards that it's because they want to play up the oh the guards are questioning why he has a dress but I thought it was just questioning how do you pass guards in a hallway <laughs> Yeah, it's um, it's uh, doesn't Arthur also have like he stops like he he's like Merlin, what are you doing? And I he's like almost walking away and like being like I don't want to know. But then he's like, no, actually I do want to know. <laughs> and he turns back around and yeah. and questions Merlin. It's like I I kind of like that, but I agree with Rocks that like strictly speaking, these scenes weren't necessary. Could have just Merlin has already told us that he's going to find a disguise for Freya and then he could have you know returned with the dress and just been like uh oh I got it from a friend or you know I I found or like found some explanation that tells the like and just looking at a dress we all would have known it's Mokana's right so um he could have just stolen it from the from the laundresses honestly like it must have been there must be laundry rooms somewhere he could have just gotten it from there we wouldn't have to know uh, I don't. Whatever. Like I said, I'm just like these. Ep- like these scenes were completely pointless, and they could have been saved for the cut scene that we clearly needed in between yeah. the yeah. whistling and whatever. But I'm just like, yeah. yeah. The cut scene where Merlin gives her his leather bracelet. <laughs> bracelet walk twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah, and then the next one is the one with the second attack. And all I have to say is about why does no one give these guards some gloves? Like, they have to stop at a random fire in the lower town to warm up their hands. Why do Camelot, why does Uther not spend the money to give his guards some gloves? They clearly need them. It's not in this year's budget. They had to spend it on uh, stock buybacks. Mm -hmm. Sure. Have we passed the scene where Merlin gives Freya the dress or not? Um, I I think that's the next. Oh, okay, one. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, it's um. Yeah, there there's some issues with that. Yeah, it's um. There's I called one the one in the morning, which I don't remember what. Oh, it's it's just um, 
uh, Gaius covering up the two dead guards and like Uther um, and Arthur being there as well and talking again about this, yeah. this magical creature. And then the next one is the one with the fifth date um, where Merlin uh, tries to give Freya the dress and Freya is trying to refuse him. And um, like I was, I was asking myself, why doesn't Freya just tell Merlin the truth about her her curse? Like she tried to do it before. Why isn't she trying to do it now? But it makes sense because um, clearly she doesn't want to scare him off. Like now she's invested in him, and she fears that if he knows the truth, he will also reject her, like everyone else has done in the past. And then you you have this moment where you can absolutely. I mean, it's very obvious. You can tell that Freya is like. Um, where Freya has made the decision, okay, I'm going to run away on my own because she gives in, like she pretends to give in to Merlin's plans and is like, okay, we will, we're going to, going to need supplies just to get him out of there so she can run away on her own. Yeah. I mean, the thing that I kind of noticed about the scene was that A, I mean, I know that he, like, I guess he only knows one girl that he could steal from, and that's Morgana, but, like, that dress is not, for, like, it like it would fall off of her. Like, <laughs> she's so much taller than Freya. Like, when she puts it up to herself, I'm like, oh, God, that's cute. But, um, yeah, Fr- Freya does a, good, um, does a good old Lancelot in this scene. She's, <laughs> you know... Merlin has a type is all I'm saying he yeah. loves people that leave uh, without saying goodbye so she does a Lancelot she decides that she's gonna lie to him and then leave um which you know I guess it it's the only way she probably could have convinced him so I mean I don't know uh I don't really know what to think about that it's just kind of like I wonder like if she'd have stayed with him like would she have lived I mean the the narrative wants her to die, so I'm not really like spending too much time thinking about it. But yeah, I'm just kind of like, Ugh. I mean, I still think that this episode should have been about Morgana finding Freya and then falling in love. So what do I know? You know, I think that might have, I, like would have been much more interesting. I but, agree. Um, I agree with that. Wouldn't that have been awesome? And then like that mm. would have turned her evil. That would have been great. So the next one is the one where Gaius has a serious conversation with Merlin. Yes. I don't know if anyone has any yeah, notes on that. I do. I mean, I called it the one where Gaius drops some knowledge uh, because he basically <laughs> just <laughs> gives us, like, most of this dialogue is pointless because it's stuff we already know. <laughs> so I'm just like, right. okay. But it's just the line that gets me every time. There was a time when you thought twice before lying to yeah, me. Yeah. That it's, is. Oh. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. that's how you know Merlin is moving on from the teenage years of yeah. his life. It's easier to yeah. lie to the parents. It's so hard. And like the only thing I really don't like is just the logic behind this because Gaius gets up to go tell Uther because he wants to spare innocent lives, which I understand. But it's the middle of the day. She's not going to turn until midnight. So she, like Merlin begging him to give him time to get her out of the city is actually very valid. <laughs> like he could do that. I don't really know. I guess the plot must advance somehow, but I'm just I mean, kind of like... Gaius, Gaius is thinking yeah. that even if Merlin gets her out of the city, wherever they go, there will still be innocent people that she will, you know, kill. As, yeah, I guess. As the bastard. So it's not about, it's not just about the people of Camelot, it's about any people, right? Yeah, so. that's true. That's true. Um, then I've got the one where Merlin is emo, and there's like stuff that happens where he goes down into the basement, and, and she's not there, and then you know it's like a big drama, and then it cuts straight back to him in his emo pose, which is 
laying on his side and I've used it in many vids that have nothing to do with Freya and it's like uh really sad and Gaius walks in and this is definitely very teenage you know like oh is everything all right and honestly yeah I I did call it the one with the teenage angst yeah um and it's like Gaius says like it doesn't even sound sincere and it's meaningless at this point like it's just it has zero meaning because Merlin begged him for some more time and guys was like, no. Yeah. And what I like about this is because at, at the time, obviously, we didn't know about this and I didn't think about it until I w- rewatched it for this podcast. But Gaius says, I, uh, I understand how you must feel. And obviously at the time, we're just like, oh, that's just a throwaway line. And Merlin says you could never understand, which is what we're all thinking. But don't forget, he did say goodbye to Alice. Yeah, I was thinking that. Yeah. So he does actually maybe know. And there's but always I feel this... Like yeah. if, if with Ellis, it was entirely yeah. different, though. Like, he got to send Ellis away to be safe, and he made the choice to stay in Camelot instead of going with her. In this case, he is the one who condemned Freya to death because he went and told Uther. Hmm. Which isn't, honestly, isn't entirely, like, the only parallel here is that Merlin doesn't have his girlfriend anymore, but there are two completely different reasons. Like, Merlin was trying to get her out, just like I, guys, got tried to get Ellis out. Okay, one parallel. But Merlin wanted to go with her. Mm. Gaius might have wanted to go with her, but didn't have the balls to do it, right? And then, um, and then also Ellis survived because, um, because of Gaius's actions, and in this case, Freya is going to die because of Gaius's actions. So when Gaius says, "I know how you must be feeling," even when you think about Al, like even when you know about Alice, it's still not true because he doesn't know how Merlin is feeling. He just thinks that because yeah. he's about a million years old, that he can yeah. relate to what a teenager is feeling. Uh, but speaking about angst, we've got the one with the transformation because I'm not ready there. I'm not ready oh, oh, yet. Sorry, sorry, Anne. No. I'm so sorry. <laughs> sorry. It's um, I want to direct your attention to yes. the end of this scene where yes. the bells toll and that sends them flying out of the room quick. Uh, bracelet watch 2020. Yes. <gasps> it still a... has it. Still and this it. is the last time you will visually see it. Oh, oh no. Oh no. Oh no. I must admit I was I knew that you were coming on for the bracelet and yet I totally failed to keep a watch for the bracelet when I rewatched this episode this morning. <laughs> I just See, I, I it was funny cuz watching it this time I didn't realize he still had it in this scene. So I'm like, "Oh shit, how when did he give it to her then?" And then I realized that he oh, puts it, her in that dress after. Yeah. Right. So and I'm like, "That's yeah. We'll see, we'll see. um so the one with the transformation i honestly have like relatively little to say about this scene so i'll be brief uh i actually nearly skipped it because i was like "Eh, it's like just it's just her transforming but what i do like is arthur seems quite hesitant to like hurt her probably because he sees that she's a human and she's a small and she's a girl and all those things just make him not want to do things to her so he's just like oh okay i'm like but then like when she starts to transform he, he kind of takes a stand a little bit more um i do like halik um being a stereotypical villain and going no one escapes from me and i'm like she literally did so you're wrong <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then he's the first one she eats so 
Yeah, exactly. Which right now, which brings me back to if she transforms back once she has killed someone, why doesn't she transform back after she killed Halik? Because it's it's not convenient for the plot because we now have to have a moment which completely erases everything we've been told about before because we see that she has autonomy. Yeah, exactly. That is just like, she sees Merlin and she recognizes Merlin. I'm just like... And stops herself from attacking. I'm just like... Is it the power of love? I'm sure it's the power of love. It has That's to be. the power of love. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I, yeah. Milo wants to come back to the future. Thanks. Yes! But um, I do want to say that uh, Freya looks pretty good uh, considering their 2009 CG budget. But again, Black Panther, Black Knight. Right. Um, it's easy. The, the transformation was classic classic morph, morphing technology. So like they've been using that for decades now yeah uh but yeah it it looks not too bad they managed to emote her eyes like you know like oh he sees me he sees my shame yeah yeah oh no and it's okay i have a theory like maybe she has to always kill two people that's why a couple died two guards died both her parents died right so maybe she always has to kill in pairs and that's why she doesn't transform back because she's only killed Halix so far. Weirdest now. fucking curse. Weirdest fucking curse. I, I, listen, I'm I'm just, I'm finding, I'm grasping at straws, literally. So were they. <laughs> <laughs> also, another thing that doesn't make sense in this scene is no one finds it strange that Merlin is A, there at all and just watching the entire thing or that like the the, the creature is like, looking at him mournfully and then no one else finds no one finds it even strange that he's running after yeah, the bastard that, that once uh, she flies away he's running after it and no one is like why is he doing that they're just all standing there and i'm just like they were all trying to help arthur who dodged the scary gargoyle falling yeah i guess but also arthur wounds her shoulder we see her limping because he wounded her shoulder how does she die from this like it's even her like blood it, loss it's yeah i guess that is quite like tough to yeah like like yeah like, if you lose enough blood i guess anything can happen I, but she didn't lose that much blood i mean that's because it yeah you're not allowed to show it it's like, you know, we see Mordred with like a tiny bit of blood that they're allowed to show like for 2008, but he nearly dies. Like Gaius has to step in and like heal him. And and they do make a joke like on all the commentaries, like, oh, there's our half a bottle of blood that we're allowed. So like, I feel like it's, you know, you know, it's like, oh, Game of Thrones I feel like, tonight. I feel like they could have at least made an effort, an effort to like wound her in a place that is more believable to have yeah, killed her. Yeah, for sure. If they're not a shower, if like I get not being allowed to show that much blood if you want to be shown at like prime time, eight o'clock in the evening, um, and and be like certified to be watchable by kids, but then just wound her in a place that's more obviously a place that's going to kill her. Like, um, no, because if you do that, she'll die too quick. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah, that was my thing. Well, you know, tell off, she ain't gonna die. So, Um, the one with the truth is what I've called. It's just when Merlin comes down and sees Freya, and what I really love is that he 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 looks a bit uncomfortable and embarrassed to like have seen her 
like she is and he um i don't know like he's not like looking away when he covers her up but like that's probably so he doesn't want to touch her in an awkward place by mistake but he does kind of look really like shy like when he goes to put his jacket that, around her so that she's he's naked yeah i know that's what i'm saying oh, <laughs> like okay. he's not I, I thought you were referring to like he has seen her in her in her magical creature form no 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 like she's naked i'd like no but like because he kind of looks like he's gonna look away but then as he covers her up he does actually like look in her direction that's probably because he wants to make sure he does it properly <laughs> but I, yeah i just think it's a nice you know touch that they didn't try to i mean that would be low even for merlin bbc but like they didn't try and make it like a ooh, naked girl like yeah that would have just been really fucked up but hey they've done worse so who knows um and uh, you know this is pretty sad you know again it's filmed really claustrophobically i love that they basically don't give us another wide like for the entire scene and um the line that always gets me is when she says uh there was a man he attacked me i didn't mean to but um i thought he was um i didn't mean to hurt him but i thought he was going to kill me uh even when i first saw this i'm assuming that she's referring to the fact that he tried or or succeeded in raping her that's kind of how i read the scene yeah i I, my note for the scene is and now we find out that freya got punished got punished in by being cursed for defending herself against a rapist great message yeah wow i mean i i mean i i i would like to think that none of the right like i don't think we as an audience are ever supposed to see freya as the villain here like we see she's a victim and she was wrongfully treated by the mother of this man and the man himself. So I don't yeah. think that, like, we we think that this is a message that, oh, she deserved this. Like, surely we don't think that as an audience. No, but, like, you still get the message that if you try to defend yourself, your life is ruined because hmm. um, you you will... Like no one will take you seriously, or you will be you will be persecuted for almost this like reason. real life. Almost like real life. It's almost like yeah. it's art imitating life. Yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. I mean, poor Freya. I mean, maybe they didn't mean it like that. Maybe they're just you know. I mean, I know it. Like they can't say the you know the actual word, so attacked is a good enough alternative. But they could have just meant that he you know like Gwen and Morgana get you know attacked in the woods you know for a ransom or just to rob like maybe they thought you know maybe she was just robbed like maybe she had something or maybe like i don't know like maybe we're just reading too much into it but i do feel like yeah that there's something there that i think definitely smells funny to me so yeah that's that's very sad and yeah it's um poor freya is all i can say to that Merlin doesn't look happy about it either. Tries to prevent her from talking so that, like, you know, she's not straining herself. And then she tells him to leave her, you know, just leave me where I am. And he's like, nope, absolutely not. And then. Which is exactly like what happens in 513. Yeah. I'm like, this is exactly like what Arthur says to her. <laughs> yeah. Merlin's like, no, I'm not leaving you. Yeah. Like, leave so. me. Yeah. They always say, I mean, it's always the way, isn't it? Leave me. No, I'm not. Le- like, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. a never and and I and I never get tired of that kind of trope. Like I definitely do like that. But um, yeah. So he mm. he changes her and he takes her to the lake um so that she can die peacefully. Yeah. <laughs> at, some point, at some point in between then and there, that that also happens. Yeah. Um. And then honestly, what gets me is, uh, she sees the lake and she's like, "You remembered," and I'm like, "You talked about living at the lake two days in a row." Yeah. Of course he fucking remembered that you like lakes. <laughs> You're it's kind of your brand. Yeah. I, mean, I, can't, I, I can't forgive it because she's dying. 
But still, Freya, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about nothing but this fucking leap. Exactly. I, um, while they're talking, the one thing that I will say is very distracting about this scene, I don't know what is going on with the sound. I really don't, but it sounds to me like they're using the audio from the actors on set. Like they probably had um like uh like a mic in their hair or something and they're using that audio because I can hear the rain really loudly when they're talking. When there's no talking happening, the sound of the rain is uh, either non-existent or it's foley. It's not real rain. And so I don't know why they thought it was a good idea to do it that way because literally it sounds like such an amateur job. Like just, I didn't know because I had my earphones in listening to it. So it was super obvious. And it was like, yeah, as soon as they start talking, you can hear the pitter patter because you can tell it's bucketing it down. And then as soon as they're not talking, like the couple of seconds in between each word is like no sound and, or just the, and I'm just like, Oh my god, why didn't you just ADR this? Why didn't you just ADR this? This is so bad. I don't know if you picked up on it, Amp, when you were listening. I didn't because I was too busy being distracted by like some dirt on Colin's cheek. I'm like, why is that dirt there? Did you know what's going on? Did you notice I forgot to mention this earlier, but did you notice that between Freya being rescued and then the first time Merlin visits her? She got somewhat cleaner. Like she didn't get clean, clean, but she definitely got cleaner than. Oh, she, was she did. Yeah, and I'm which like, makes no sense. I'm just like, did she wipe it on her dress? But her dress is also filthy. I'm just, what? It's probably part of um uh, of uh, Merlin doing the uh, you know, putting her in the dress. No, no, no but I like mean, no, like at the beginning. all together. Yeah, like oh, wait, she looks cleaner. Like for yeah. like each time we see her, she looks slightly. She's like, not rolling around in a gross cave or cage. Well, if Merlin had his way, she certainly would be. But I, I mean, think that Merlin like, also didn't bring her anything to wash herself with. So how is she doing it? It just comes off. It's, it's the power of love. Like her hair has to look nice, and she has to be clean now that she's a love interest. Duh. Yeah. Okay. Fair That's enough. clearly the way. Um, Can't be crushing on some dirt. No, absolutely not. Hey, what do you call Arthur then, please? <laughs> but um. <laughs> sorry I had to get an Arthur quip in there but this is obviously very sad you know like the actual scene between them you know is um like quite like I wouldn't say it's like super well written like it's like again for me the sound is just way too distracting and it's just basically like your kind of generic death dialogue and obviously she says you know I will repay you someday which we get the uh allusion to the lady of the lake from the legends that one day she's going to come back or that she'll take the sword and that's I think what we're all thinking but um Mm -hmm. obviously what I really wanted to touch upon was the actual burial or the or the uh, cremation I should say because I think that most of us. Well, would... I think we shouldn't skip over Colin's acting. Oh no! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's fantastic. Part. It is absolutely fantastic. And Colin oh, and written, song. Good acting, though. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, and like the music is just oh, it's absolutely yeah. stunning. But the but the piece of acting that slayed me and like I yeah, couldn't believe like, it. Yeah. Oh god! And we all know, we all know what's coming, and it's just, yeah. Oh, like I don't know how long in canon it took between her dying and him managing to put himself together to put her in the boat but he obviously looks calmer he looks like he's cried a lot and then he just steps out into the lake and he pushes the boat out and he puts out his hand and he hesitates before he sets the boat on fire and i and he (sighs) looks at a rock 
He was looking at a rock, yes. And I'm just... I can't say enough good things about this man. <laughs> he honestly just, like... When I saw that the first moment... Because I, I was really invested in the Freya-Merlin relationship when I first watched it. I was very invested in Merlin as a character when I first watched it. And that made me... Like, that was when I broke down properly, like, into tears, was seeing that little hesitation. I couldn't. I couldn't keep it inside. It was just... Uh, it's it's incredible. And it's so not even so much a hesitation, but it's it's like he he tried to, like to commit to saying it yep, but yep. altered like, and like exhaled it. Oh. Yeah. Netflix <sighs> captioned it as sigh and I'm like fuck you Netflix it's so much more it's <laughs> so much more and then he walks away and he kind of has like a moment where he's looking back and then looking away looking back and looking away and the piece of music that's playing throughout this is the same uh, we've already touched upon this in the music episode but it's playing throughout the like the all three scenes so this one and then the one with Gaius and Merlin and the one with Merlin and Arthur it's the same piece of music so it's just a really nice way of tying them all together and um yeah does anyone else have anything to talk about like at like at yeah. the actual lakeside Go ahead. Yes. I have two things to mention. <clears throat> um, so when she's in the, 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 the boat and she's got her hands on her chest, you can see that she has no bracelet. Bracelet watch 2020. <laughs> so she's not wearing it on her wrist. You can't see it. Like, it's not anywhere as far as I can tell. Uh, except that I've been trying to look up this dress. It's apparently not one of the ones that Morgana's ever worn. But there is something kind of under her hand. It doesn't look like the, the the bracelet, but it's all I got. It's all I got, you guys. It's all I got. <laughs> um, secondly, that last shot of like with the mountains and Merlin, beautiful, beautiful shot, beautifully shot. Second thing is that like the Viking thing doesn't work very well. You're just gonna have like half burned remains washing up on the other side of the uh, lake shore. Just, don't 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 try this at home, kids. Okay, do not try to have a viking pyre it, you'll never get the heat required to uh, turn a body to ash yeah that's true Oof, God. so Alex do you have anything to touch upon for the lakeside part of this uh, bit or are you all done? I'm all done so we have scene between Merlin and Gaius next which uh, is a really lovely quiet moment and um, beautifully shot oh, yeah. composition with the sun rays and this that time is... this time I even do believe that Gaius feels sorry yeah it's just gutting it's really 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 sad um and yeah just there's almost no dialogue I am very, very much a fan of dialogue heavy, but sometimes even I have to admit that you don't need it. It's just really lovely. Um, anyone else have anything to say about the Gaius Merlin scene? No, you can okay. you can start gushing. <sighs> okay, I, I literally <laughs> called this one the one that Rob's gushes over. Okay, because no, listen, oh, wait, 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 wait. Because well, we the don't thing have to is, it great. Let's talk to you in a month, Melissa. <laughs> because the thing is, <laughs> this is my favorite Merlin and Arthur scene in all five seasons of this show. It beats out anything that has come in tw- uh, five thirteen, even that nothing in that in that episode managed to beat this scene for me. Even though I love it, everything, it was better than I remembered. When you're watching it last night. I was like, "This is a really good, yeah." Yeah. Carry on. Oh no, please, please feel free to interrupt at any time because I, oh, I, I will. Yes, I to say. please do because I'm very much feeling emotional right now. So, 
basically I was not expecting a scene like this at all. Like Merlin and Gaius is always the last scene. Like it's so rarely do we get anything afterwards, especially something like this. And the I love that the music carries through. So we do kind of feel like it's one continuous moment. And you know, you have Merlin sitting there and we've talked about how it's basically him r- reminding himself of how much his life sucks. And that's what we have, st- uh, you know, starting the scene. He's sitting there and he's Ooh, polishing. Actually, I want to pop yes, in real quick. Go, please, um, yes, do. The last bit at the lakeside when Merlin walks out and you see the, the mountains and it's beautiful. I said, like, oh, beautiful shot. Rewatching that last night, I thought that was the last shot. I that <laughs> was the end, I forgot. And then they did the guy. So you're like, oh, okay. This is beautiful. This has got to be the last cut, right? This is the end, right? Roll credits. I forgot that this was at the end of this episode. So. Yeah, it's very like yeah. It, yeah. It doesn't feel like it should be here, but I'm very glad that it is. Obviously, I'm so glad it is too, yeah. it's just such. Oh, okay. Ah, I can't. I can't hold it. In. It's too much. Um, it it's too much. Hang on, because I've got notes and I need to concentrate. Try. So try. <laughs> shut up, Alex. <laughs> Please try. Um, I'm trying to. Okay, so, um. We're reminded of how much his life sucks, right? That's what we've been reminded of all all episode. But this particularly, you've got a row of shoes. And I mean, that's really the only visual you need. And we have no idea who's going to walk in. And then obviously, Arthur comes in. And what I love about the kind of... It's, it's the tone of the scene. It's so like casual and quiet. Arthur walks in. He says he's been looking for Merlin, which, you know, to me denotes that he's been thinking about his actions, which is something we don't normally see him do. <laughs> he's been thinking about the fact that he's probably been a bit of a bad boy. And he comes in and he says he's been looking for Merlin. You know, he's the Prince of Camelot, but he's been looking everywhere for his servant. And he finds him here. And Merlin's giving him a bit of attitude because he's literally just had his heart broken. And Arthur- Actually, the goofy thing is, is yeah. that if you think about series five, I think it was five anyways, it kind of, it kind of dumbs, not dumbs, but it kind of blunts that a bit because you know that he's walking around the castle looking for Merlin because you expect me to put my shirt yes, on my sail? exactly. My so like, you know, maybe he's just looking around the castle for Merlin because he doesn't know how to put a boot on. Yeah, well, they're all in Merlin. They're all being yeah. there. They're all there. He's actually barefoot in this scene, but you don't know that. <laughs> he doesn't have yeah. any shoes. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, so Merlin gives absolutely no shits. He's just like, yeah, well, you expect me to wash your clothes and clean your room. And he's just like, I don't care if I get punished. My life is over. I don't care. I like. I was meant to leave here anyway. And the camera is on Arthur the entire time. And he just kind of like, he's not saying anything. Like normally he'd give him like a clip upside the head or he'd tell him off and he just doesn't do anything. And then he sits on the floor. He sits yeah. on the floor. He lowers his body to the ground. Like, okay. The thing about this scene on his level but the body language in this scene is literally through the roof like they have like some dialogue that's really cute and everything but they don't speak that much it's not a lot it's all in their body language arthur sitting down merlin is very very closed off right now by the way he's not looking at him he's facing away from him arthur's very much open he's got his arms on his knees he's kind of like inviting merlin to look at him talk to him he's trying to make himself as open as possible for a conversation He's the Prince of Camelot. He's literally begging with for approval with the way that he's sitting. And I'm just like, what is happening right now? Based on, like, in this extremely heterosexual, bisexual episode, we get this moment. I am literally on, on cloud nine already. Then we get Arthur saying, something's been upsetting you, hasn't it? Again, 
thinking about his actions and literally going up and trying to figure out what he did wrong so he can make amends. I am going to boycott happiness for the rest of my life because I literally cannot cope with the way that that line makes me feel. And he's trying to think about it. He's like, oh, well, was it when I threw water over you? And what I was saying at the beginning of the um, episode review about how Merlin, you know, like kind of how he feels like he needs to be known and that's how he experiences love. The thing about this scene is that Merlin actually laughs at that. And obviously he laughs because Arthur's silly and he's like, oh, Arthur, of course he doesn't know. And that's, you know, he thinks it's all about him. You know, <laughs> that like that's why I'm upset. But really when you think about it, how sad it is that, Arthur, like we've said so many times in the podcast, he never really knew Merlin. And that's what's so upsetting. He finally, in the last hours of his life, he manages to kind of get a, get a grasp of who he is as a person, all that he sacrificed. But it's moments like this where Merlin's heart is literally breaking and he's at the lowest point he's been in his life so far. And Arthur thinks that he's upset over him and he'll never know. And Merlin's just like, oh yeah, well, you know, he doesn't know. And it's, you know, it's a sweet moment, but at the same time, I'm like, this is really depressing as well. But it doesn't stay depressing, luckily, because immediately we get the music coming back in in this moment and Merlin basically thinks, okay, he's actually being really nice to me for a change. He just says, it wasn't very nice. And I know Alex doesn't like the fat stuff and I don't like it either, but I like that, you know, Arthur kind of is using that to kind of bait Merlin into some kind of conversation he's like oh you know it was a bit unfair you know like when you called me fat and then Merlin turns to him and he actually takes the bait and he like in a little tiny voice is like well why was that unfair and then Arthur like I don't even know what you'd call it like it's like he's just like kind of rubbing his head with his fist it's like like I'm not really it's, sure it's, the official term is called a noogie thank a you noogie. I was about to say that it's a noogie, noogie. it's so much it's so much for my heart and it's literally like just yeah it is pure like jokes and banter and like literally wholesomeness like it's such a wholesome moment like you know them having banter about Arthur's weight or you know and like Arthur you know oh well I need to get in shape clearly and this is how I'm gonna do it and Merlin laughing and then I mean okay I've been a fan vidder for many many years I'm pretty sure that I have used this next shot in almost every single video I have ever put on the internet. Don't fact check that, please. But it's probably correct. And that is Arthur's smile as he's looking at Merlin, like with his hair or, you know, whatever. And then Merlin turning back and looking at him and kind of, again, there's no dialogue exchange, but he's just sort of like, what the hell was that? And he's just like, that's better. By the way, that's better probably on my list of top five favorite things to say that are going to melt my heart like whenever someone does something nice for someone else like that's better hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on because you're going to keep going i know but i have something to say about that's better yes please do <laughs> so that noogie and then arthur says that's better because merlin turns back and smiles at him and arthur says that's better and it reminds me of in the later seasons when arthur keeps track of Merlin's smile. He's like, I haven't seen you smile in four days. Three. Oh my god. Whatever. Whatever it was. I literally I literally I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I'm actually like crying as you're saying <laughs> I literally started tearing up. This is too much for me to handle right here, now. My work here is done. I've never I've never, I've never phys like I've never physically produced tears on my listen before, but I just did. Oh it's my one god. One of those things that you don't get 
Oh my god. We watched it first when it first came out, no. but only after seeing later on when how much he cares. With oh like, my god, please books. stop. I can't actually Don't cry. Stop. Don't stop. I literally cry. I need to stop. Okay, how I... much he loves him. Oh and his smile brings him joy. It's His only fun. joy in life. It's so much. I'm just, I'm just, okay. Yeah, so, so he's got, she's starting to keep track of how much he's, he's like, that's better. I want to see you smiling. Oh, yes, okay. wait. <laughs> so, wait a second, that gets weird where it's like, you should smile more. No, Arthur, no. No, it's just, it is, it's, it's a really, sp- I mean, I'm just looking at my notes, and by the time we get to that moment, they were like really, really coherent, and then I literally, and this is all in caps, by the way, I've put, he teases, their voices so soft, this made me ascend, it's so wholesome. <laughs> Arthur's smile, Merlin's smile, that's better, that's not written in caps, and then in caps, there's so much nonverbal communication here! <laughs> Literally, that's all I was writing down, and it, and basically all of it is true. Arthur's smile, Merlin's smile. It's, it's honestly the one moment that I can think of, I mean, this early on in the show, at least, because they're still so at odds with each other, even in this season. I see them completely as equals, like in this moment. And they really, you know, like I said, they physically show it to us by having him sit on his level. Like that, there's no one physically dominant person in this scene. There's no, you know, kind of uh, mention of, you know, rank or or you know much like it's just Arthur trying to cheer up Merlin because he noticed that Merlin was sad and he w- doesn't want Merlin to be sad anymore and it's such a simple idea and i guess it just goes to show how starved we really were for something like this because there's nothing like like kind of um there's so many times in Merlin we have seen with Merlin and Arthur where Arthur will compliment Merlin and then he'll be like oh yeah but you're an idiot and we do have a slight bantery moment at the end he's like you're right you still have all these chores to do but there's no heat to it whatsoever it's not like a normal time where he's like oh you're wise but actually you're an idiot he's not insulting Merlin he's literally just teasing him and it's so different to anything that we normally get and yeah like I said it's just really 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 wholesome and I yeah I just I can't say enough good things about it. The fact that he noticed that, but that's what it, the fact that he notices that Merlin's been right and that he reflects on his own behavior and kind of tries to make it better. And I, I mean, they had no, I mean, this scene didn't have to be in this episode, really. It's completely irrelevant to the plot. Yeah. It does tie up what, uh, what came before it with the, with the bath water and everything, but we could have easily ended either at the lake or with Merlin and Gaius. This serves no plot purposes whatsoever but it is so service it is so important to their relationship for me and i know that there's not going to be anything like you know we don't have like progression in merlin like you know but it's just you know for all of the times that arthur is a dick and i'm sure alex will agree with me that he was a dick in this episode and we don't like it it's just having this is so special. It's like it literally perfect. There's nothing about it I would change. It is the perfect scene between them. I just hit my mic. Sorry. <laughs> it's like it's the perfect scene. And the fact that we got it in season two in an episode that is so heterosexual. And it has no business being in an episode like this. And yeah, I can't I can't cope with the fact that this is what we ended the episode on. It is perfect. I'm sorry. I don't know how many minutes that was, but I There's needed a bit it. Where um, uh, during the scuffle 
where he's giving the noogie and Arthur or Merlin's trying to fight back. No, 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 no. I had to like watch that like a bunch of times over because I'm doing bracelet watch 2020. Oh. <laughs> and so I was like, ah, I'm, I'm getting a kick out of the acting. But also there are bits where you can definitely see bracelet watch 2020. It is no longer on his wrist. Oh. He does not have that. And you never see it again. So <sighs> you tell me where it is, audience. You tell me where it is, huh? Oh, I know. It's in the boat. <laughs> oh, yeah. He sent it. It's floating he in gave his... her. He gave her his bracelet. There's so much the emotion. The only part of that boat that burned up almost completely apart from the leaves. But yeah, I will. Okay, I am. I am done discussing the scene. What I will ask from our more listeners, though, is I would like to know your favorite Merlin and Arthur scene because this was mine, and I've been really excited to talk about it, as I'm sure Alex was aware because he wrote in his notes that it's the one I was going to spend a lot of time over. I mean, but I am interested in your take, Alex, because obviously, you know, I know that you don't ship Merth anymore, whatever. Blah, but like, but in terms of like, uh, like a. A moment for even Arthur's character like is it something that you were happy to see particularly at the end of what we know was a, not the not his best episode yes <laughs> I thought you cared about Arthur more than that <laughs> no I was happy to see him like all the things that you said like he clearly hasn't first of all he has noticed Merlin's mood second of all he went and thought about what he might have done. That, like, I, I'm sure that Arthur's thought process when something like, Merlin is sad. Why is Merlin sad? Is Gaius sick? No, Gaius is fine. Is his mother sick? I haven't heard about his mother in like two years. So either she is dead and he's long since over that, or she is fine. Is any of our... Is Morgana or Gwensik? No, I would know about this. Who else does Merlin care about? Hmm. Maybe me. Am I sick? No, I'm fine. Do I maybe not know that I'm sick? No, I would know that I'm sick. Would he? <laughs> <laughs> psh, psh. I'm, this is Arthur's brain talking right now. Right? Ah. This is Arthur's brain talking right now. I would know that I'm sick and I am not sick. I'm fighting fit. Okay. Who, who like who was who was mean to Merlin? Halig was mean to Merlin, but I took care of that. Who else was mean to Merlin? Hmm. I was mean. To I was mean to Merlin. <laughs> hmm. But Merlin knows I'm mean to him. Maybe I went too far. Hmm. And then he goes and and is like, okay, now I need to cheer up Merlin because his like the quality of the of the chores is even worse than normally because Merlin cares less now. So Merlin needs to be happy or my room will be more of a pigsty than it normally is. So then he goes <laughs> and tries to cheer up Merlin and he acknowledges that maybe Merlin is upset because of something that Arthur has done and he apologizes for it. And then the problem is watching this uh, this morning came at a pretty bad time for me because I have some some personal stuff um, that uh, got me in a really bad mood yesterday and I keep thinking about it and then um, Arthur did a similar thing to what happened to me yesterday so I was watching it uh, with that in mind where he's like he brings up something that he did wrong and then to deflect from it he immediately points out something Merlin did wrong <laughs> he does doesn't he <laughs> he does and then they only talk about 
with like Arthur doesn't even really say the words I'm sorry. He only says like okay, maybe it was that was a little unfair. And then uh, they they start talking about the thing that Merlin has said to him and how that is so much worse than what has Arthur what Arthur has done. And so when I watched this scene this morning, it was sort of tainted by my own feelings about this, where I tried to bring up something with someone where I was like, listen, when you do this, it makes me it makes me upset. And then this other person was like, well, I only do it because you do that. And then I said, well, okay, then I will try to stop doing that. And the other person was like, yeah, I think that will help. Oof. So, oh, no. Oof. and so when I watched the scene with Merlin and Arthur, I was like, wait, that feels familiar. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I do like separate from, from how that, you know, how that was tied into my own personal like stuff. Um, it's yeah Arthur Arthur clearly has thought about you know Merlin like first of all like I said he noticed that Merlin is upset and then he thought about why Merlin is upset and he third of all tried to do something to change that which I'm trying to remember but I'm pretty sure that's also what happens um after Balinor died when Merlin is upset about Balinor dying and Arthur is again trying to cheer Merlin up or was it Gwen? No, it's uh, it's Arthur because Gwen doesn't right. exist yet, but it's definitely right. not as like tender because they're about to fight a dragon and there's a war going on, so it doesn't have like the domestic quiet feeling. No. It's very desperate and like, oh, we're about <laughs> to die. <laughs> but there's also one where he just punches Merlin in the shoulder. Yeah, we don't talk about that. Please, we're trying to have a moment. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying that this is better. This is a much better way of cheering him up than the old Although he does go for the physical aggression route yet again with the nuggie. So, I mean, it's an affectional aggression, sure, but it's like, Arthur, please, I know that you didn't have a mother, but come on, man. <laughs> it's all I know. It's <laughs> What I will say, Alex, what I like what you said, though, about how you listed off all of the things that he thought Merlin might be upset about. I love how I see Arthur so much differently that in my head, I literally went to, no, no, no. He literally, like, in his brain, Merlin only thinks about him. So he's like, <laughs> Merlin couldn't possibly be upset for any other reason apart, like, literally, like, no, it's but so, yeah. It, it, it fights with, like, Arthur's belief that he can't do no wrong. It's oh, like no. Arthur, Arthur, believes, information. Arthur is like, okay, sure, Merlin only thinks about him, but also Arthur never does anything wrong. So it's like, if Arthur never does anything wrong, and like, even if Merlin only thinks about him, it can, that someone else could have still done something to Merlin. Maybe it would have like done something to Merlin that distracted Merlin from thinking about Arthur. And that's why he's upset now. <laughs> Arthur's brain is so simple. I love it. <laughs> See, that's why I that's why I relate to Arthur so much. We are simple minded people. You're very much not simple minded. <laughs> Arthur I mean, I, I don't know, like he obviously flip flops, but Arthur sometimes is just a giant idiot. But then again, like I said, he got them Sundara vibes, so I'm like, you are forgiven. You are dumb <laughs> with your growly boy that's actually a soft boy underneath vibes. It's okay. And this is the moment where he turned from growly boy to soft boy, all in the space of one episode. And let me tell you, my listeners, that Roxanne is here for it as yeah. you can see by the 15-minute segment talking about what I called my favorite one. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally amazing. But thank you I, for being here with me, you two, and being witness to my embarrassment of crying on uh, on mic. So, I, yeah. have, I have one more thing um, I can say about um, how Arthur treats servants that I started thinking about in relation to this scene, if you guys are interested. Yes. 
<laughs> if Amp still has a time, or do you have to go make banana bread? Nope, we're good. Okay. Right on. Okay. So, um, I was think like, because I was thinking about it, how I would have liked it more if Arthur had tried to comfort Merlin without being mean to him for the rest of the episode, right? So, um, what I wrote down is, um, I still maintain the show could have shown us that Arthur cares and that he notices things without the abuse he inflicted on Merlin beforehand. I don't know where, back in the day when the show was still running and all anyone had were season one and two, these fix came from in which these fix came from in which Arthur is such a good benevolent master. Sure, he doesn't rape his servant, so that's in his favor. But he sure as heck beats Merlin or throws things at him. He abuses him verbally all the time. So my like maybe that's historically accurate. But also, this is supposed to be a family show that hopefully is trying to teach kids some values, like help your friends and uh, discriminating someone just because they're a little different is wrong. But they let Arthur beat Merlin and do all of this stuff to him. And that's just, um, yeah, that's just, it got me thinking about that in particular. So we finally conclude this episode review. Uh, which prompts me to ask um, please share your social media if you oh, want I'm not prepared <laughs> um, don't you all remember from last time no it's fine I mean um, I have them but okay. I want you to say them yes 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 um, you can find me at Amphilori on twitter and tumblr and live journal and twitch and pillowfort and I discord yeah i'm all over the place where everybody is <laughs> um yeah that's it mm-hmm. i am miss snowfox on instagram i'm also miss snowfox cosplays on instagram miss snowfox with an extra x on twitter and like i've said before i can say this now you guys can go read my fic on archive of our own at miss snowfox if you also like anime because i now write that shit it's so exciting i'm so happy so yeah I know, I can't. <laughs> I am Zen Credible on AO3, where I post fanfic, and Zen underscore reads on AO3, where I post podfic. Although, to be fair, I haven't posted either in a while, but, you know, I, I will be again. It's a bit of a, you know, mirror world now, because Rox is now the prolific fandom person who puts out stuff, and I'm the one who isn't. So I, I would don't... really watch it with the big words you throw around there, Alex, because <laughs> it's like... <laughs> I, I don't know what's <laughs> happening here. Um, our theme music was composed by Sidesteppings exclusively for Melissa. All other music and sound effects in this episode come from freesound.org. As per usual, the man on our cover art was made by Brolin's Keep and the cover was made by me. And next time in a month, we've alluded to it a couple of times already, is our first part on the costumes episode. And we will be talking about Merlin and Arthur's costumes during the five seasons. And we have we will have two guests for that. Both Diane and Connor, who are uh, costume specialists, will be on with us to keep us on track and to talk about all the costumes. Thank you for listening all the way through. I have been incredible. I have been Miss Snowfox. And our guest was Academy Award winner Amphiquari. Stay two meters away. <laughs> Do it, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.